Woody Guthrie Center and Bob Dylan Center present Fire in Little Africa, a multimedia hip-hop project inspired by the resilience of Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And now, coming at you live from Greenwood, here are your hosts, Ali Shaw and Doc Free. How are you feeling over yeah. there? I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, nice, chill, productive day. Yeah, creative yeah? day. Creative day. Days creative of creative and productive. Right. Okay. At all times. Okay. So, what what was uh, anything special about your day? A highlight of your day? We are designing kits for a local soccer team. Uh, that's going pretty well. Nice. Oh, that's uh, dope. You and who? You said we. Oh, clean hands. Uh, okay, of course, you know. Help out a local team that's going to be featuring in the U.S. Open Cup coming up. For you soccer heads out there, know what that what? is. Uh, then, yeah, and a little bit of uh, still building a a wine list and picking out glassware and stuff nice. of that nature. So. Very nice, very nice. Well, we are about to get started with episode 38 of the Fire in Little Africa podcast. Welcome once again. I am your co-host, Ali Shaw. And I'm your other co-host, Doc Free, who's going to turn the, 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 the old mic around and ask Ali Shaw, how are you doing today? Aw, I'm doing well. I'm having a cup of coffee because I need a little perk up. God <laughs> is a DJ. Yes, she yes. is. Right. And shout out to my good friend, Tennille, who gave me this mug for an early Christmas gift. Now, uh, is Tennille a captain? <laughs> Indeed. I do believe she is a captain. <laughs> She'll like that. Captain <laughs> Tennille. Captain <laughs> Tennille. Indeed. Yeah, but she got me this this mug. I love it. It's um Mantra <clears throat> Mugs, I think it is, on Instagram. Mantra.mugs. So you should check them out when you get a chance. But yeah, we are, um, I'm very excited that we get to talk to an R&B singer, producer, musician. And then let's just not only mention the fact that he comes from one of those musical families here in Tulsa. Like, I don't think it really hit me until we talked to Jimmy Joe and Billy Bruner. Like, Mm -hmm. you know what? There's a lot of musical families in this city and mm-hmm. correct correct talent runs so so freaking deep so and then also uh he is an entrepreneur from right here in Tulsa without further ado let us welcome to the show T Mace T Mace Say you do, but you don't. Maybe 
What's going on? What's going on? How y'all doing? You good. She just she just totally gave the uh, full Black Wall oh, experience right there. One of the greatest intros. I, I, I it's like every time Ali Shaw talks, it's like nothing but gold comes out, man. Like any oh, intro she does, like anything she does when she comes out, man. On the radio, she's so smooth. It's like there's never a dull moment. Like she can just control anything. So shout out to Ali Shaw. Oh, thank you, T Mace. I would not agree with you 100%. I've made many mistakes. <laughs> but <laughs> you improvise well. You improvise well. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. So, can we just dive right into this origin story? I want to know what it felt like growing up in the Mason household. Like, mm. when did you first start? with your I feel like you're gonna have a similar answer to Joe Bruner like right. I was born as soon as you know as soon as I was born like but how, when did it really start for you yeah yeah um, it all kind of started around I say like age four maybe age four or five um and I kind of just my dad bought me my first drum set um just I kept banging on pots and pans y'all know who my cousin is Christian Mason um yeah. My first drum set was built by him. We built it with phone books, hangers, pots, uh, laundry baskets, you <laughs> name it. And he had, I had a real pair of drumsticks and he kind of showed me. So I came home one day and I'm trying to just put this all together and I'm just banging on stuff. And my dad's like, all right, it's time to go ahead and buy him a, buy him a drum set. And so I'm banging through the house and I'm, I'm playing every day. And then, um, gosh, fast forward to like maybe eight seven or eight and I actually played my first service and it was like a throw him on the drums you know one of those one of those moments where he's like hey put my son on the kit put my son on the kit and I get on and it's just like from there it's just like you know and I didn't even know that at that time what my family really was what you know my dad and them had went through as far mm -hmm. as you know being signed and all of that so I was just like this kid that just loved music making beats every day on the on the table at, at lunch and um beatboxing and any movie i would see that's a beatbox um or or tv show or radio whatever whatever it was that had to do with music i was just so inspired by it and um like i said it started at a young young age uh my dad tried to teach me guitar and it never worked um i was always beat, <laughs> i was always beating on the drums he would have uh, he used to do guitar lessons at our church and i would always be there on saturdays with him and i'd be like oh can i go to the bathroom I sneak out. And so the drum booth is right in front of the classroom uh, that he would teach in. And so maybe like five, 10 minutes later, he always tells this funny story. Like, oh yeah, he, my son would be like, oh, can I go to the restroom? He'll go to the restroom. Then seven minutes later, all you hear is bah, da, da, bah, 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 bah. And you just hear all these drums <laughs> going crazy. And so he would have to come get me and be like, all right, we got to move classrooms. Cause I can't, at this point, I, I can't make him play guitar. He wants to play drums. And so <laughs> that's when he got me involved with artists um, and drummers like, uh, Arthur Thompson and Jason Burrell, um, Junior Hill. And I kind of just followed these guys from a young mm. age and just watching them. Every show I would go to, I'd be backstage with my dad. I'd be right behind the drum booth. I'd be right behind the sound booth, just kind of learning everything. You know, That's why I have a passion to be an engineer um, and just a musician and an artist all in all. all, in all. It's just like, you know, um, just coming from that background was different. I mean, I didn't really know what I was coming into until like I was like 14, 15. Mm. It starts in like, the hey. church. Right. Yeah. It starts in the church. You, you always think that you're just, you know, I, I didn't know anything about Sony, Electra Records, the album they did going to London. I didn't know nothing about that until I turned like 14, 15. Somebody showed me this video. I'm like, dude, this is your dad. 
It's got to be. He's the only guy out here like, last name Mason. I'm thinking like there's a million Masons in the world. Like, and he never brought it up. Like, but but hold on one second. What church <laughs> went to? What church? Uh, Greenwood Christian Center. Okay. Yeah. Which is now Transformation Church. Shout out to right. Mike Todd. Shout out um, to Pastor Mike. So, you know what I'm By the saying? Way, segue, yeah, I know you're about to segue right into it. Got a segue <laughs> for a hot second. We got to give Pastor Mike a huge, well, and I'm going to make sure oh, I sure. what he said as well. And Transformation Church, right. um, they bought the entire inventory from Silhouette Sneakers and Art. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And, and he donated gave it back to the community. Yes, that it's is... to the Tulsa Boys Home, right? Yes. Am I saying that right? Yes. I was so excited for Coop. Did you guys see the videos that she put on her Instagram though? Like uh, the day after. And she was like, I need you guys to explain to the kid who gets the Nike dunks though. Like they change color. (laughs) (laughs) You can see this. You gotta let them know how special it is. Yeah, they change color. Uh, Shoe care for everyone. There needs to be at least an hour and a half with everyone as you get each pair out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you pastor mike todd thank you transformation church what a blessing for sure. especially for, sure. for kids who probably need it you know more oh than yeah so that that Even was where like morale booster though it's not just like needing a right. pair of shoes the pair yeah. of shoes you get like you know what i'm saying you're gonna be thinking about that moment for years to come you be telling your kids kids and there was this one time that I right. got like the Yeezy Boost Space Force. I got these five hundred dollars <laughs> shoes that just came out of nowhere. Like yeah. it's, it, that's amazing. That's a blessing, man. Uh, but uh, so Green Greenwood, uh, that's where I'm, I'm sure there's like okay, who else we know that we've interviewed that's come out of that? Um, system? technically uh, Paris Careers, uh, mm-hmm. MC MC, okay. um, Chase and Ryan, Chase and Ryan. I, he didn't. Well, yeah, yeah. We'll say Chase and Ryan because MC Young and their Young Centro, that's the new name. That's the part that I forgot. Young Centro, <laughs> that's right. I forgot about that too. Right, the change up. Right. Uh, so Young Centro, MC. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. That was on the Fila project. Uh, can't think of too many right now. Yeah. Um, See, that's but a, as far as, go ahead. Yeah, that's I would say that's a pretty strong list. I know there's like oh, yeah. aff- affiliates and folks that we do know. You know, sure. of course, not attached to the project that, you know, so I'm just like in my brain, like creating like this, this timeline. Uh, and, and that's a, that's a huge part. You know, Malachi right. talks about this, this section too. Like, yeah, this is like the, that chapter. This is a chapter of, of Tulsa right. moving to the forward and definitely yeah. <laughs> that church off pine in the Greenwood Christian Center, that like that's that's super dope, man. That, yeah, yeah. See, I'm yeah, noticing they, that everything starts in the church around here in this region of the country. Right. <laughs> we and are in the Bible in Belt, the church, right? Right. I was just about to say we are in the Bible Belt. Uh, definitely, um, a lot of stuff starts in the church. Musicianship, um, learning your learning where you how far you can go, and yeah. um, learning from my dad was. Uh, a more complicated part. I don't know if Jimmy, I'm pretty sure Jimmy had this same uh, speech, but it's like so much harder to learn from your dad than learning from somebody else because he's so much harder on you than anything. Yes. It's like, <laughs> I miss a, I miss a, uh, uh, I miss a, let's see, I, we're in like a middle of a song and we're getting ready to go to the bridge or something. If I miss a part, he gives me this eye and he's on stage, he sings, he plays guitar. He's so multi-talented. He can literally look at me and give me an eye. Nobody in the crowd knows what's going on. 
But I know all the other musicians are looking like, oh, look, Tony missed something. He did something wrong. We, and I'm just, I got to continue playing. And he's so much harder on me because um, he he is so far up there when it comes to like knowing how to control a situation. He knows how to control a worship service like no other. I've seen this man um, just build, you know, from the ground up as far as finding musicians, teaching them how to worship, you know, teaching them how to, play in the moment teaching them like you know what I mean teaching harmonies and you know mm. um just to be able to coach an entire praise and worship team you're responsible for 10 to 11 12 15 people at a time and you know making sure that they're on harmony parts and he's pretty strict about a lot of things like sound wise I've seen this man call out the sound man in the middle of a conference he's on stage and like we didn't we didn't went through five rehearsals now granted I probably don't play conferences but he didn't went through like five or four or five services of, of rehearsals and you know you miss one thing it's like hey I need I need my microphone up here I need sound out here I need the bass to be in the house I need hi-hat on the left side I need keys on the left and it's just like man and so that's how I've obtained some of my sound just from him um and just learning basically like all his ways and knowing what he was doing at 27, you know, asking questions like, what were you doing at 21? You know, I was, he was signed at 19. So, I mean, you know, at 21, he was touring the world. So I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, that's a little different, you know, so he didn't have to do as much as far as, you know, back then they didn't have the internet. Right. You know, they made it, they made it before the internet. So now it's just like, you know, we got, the, we got all these platforms in order to do all this stuff. So, um, but I will say, like I said, learning from him musicianship wise and how to control a, 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 a show, or a showtime if I'm on stage, how to be able to migrate, you know, through different spaces. And, and um, what I say about improvise, he yeah. can improvise like crazy on the spot. Like the, the keys go out, he's got that guitar and he can just, he can make it happen until, you know, something else, you know, comes up or, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, learning from him was pretty, pretty tough because he was harder on me than he was on a lot of other uh, cats my age. Um, just knowing my rhythms, knowing my notes, you know, if I ever had to sing with him, you know, he's. I God, think that's a normal know. thing. It's just something that daddies do. You know, True. I actually posted True. a picture of my dad today. Um, and it's funny because Chris, the God commented on his like beard game was tight or something. Like <laughs> I was like, yeah, he had a, he had a huge full beard and he, he actually played Santa Claus every year. So right. in our, you know, I'm from a small town and anyway, but my point is, I was in softball from the time I was five years old and he was my coach. Right. And of course, like I'm the one that got yelled at the most, like you should have oh, thrown yeah. the ball, blah, blah, blah. Put your yeah. gun down on the ground. Like, you know, right. stuff like that. Right. And it's like, that's what daddies do. You know, that's what mamas do. Shoot. But, True. um, True. and it's, I think, you know, being able to look back and go, man, I sure am glad he made me put my glove on the ground. <laughs> like, Right. Right. He taught you something. <laughs> He sure did. I would have had a lot of ease if he didn't. So, you know, well, do you want to, let's talk a little bit about, we we touched on it briefly, but can you kind of give our audience, you know, an idea of exactly the history you came from? So, because we all know a lot of our audience probably doesn't know, but your dad was recently on The Voice, but can you go back to the beginning, kind of telling about the origin story. Yeah, like oh. I want to know about the group he was a part of. And so what I'm what I'm wanting okay. to see is through your eyes, okay? Because you okay. said you really didn't know until like 14. Yeah. Like so 13, talk more about that old. story with your friend who was like, this is your dad. <laughs> like, okay, what so did, what um, did that feel like? 
we had a uh, we used to have this VHS tape, right? And um, it was it's on YouTube now, and it's the Mason on Soul Train London. I didn't even know Soul Train went to London. I'm pretty sure they had a Soul Train Europe. I'm pretty sure they had a Soul Train, you know, Russia or whatever the case may be. But there was a Soul Train London tape um, in our house, and every now and again, my oldest sister, Micah. She, she would play it on the VCR and I years, I never knew what it was. I just never read the actual tape and what it was. I would just see this group of guys on this 80s looking show with these, these jerry curls and chains and fresh, <laughs> fresh goatees. And, and I would look and I'd be like, that's my dad and that's my uncle. And, but I don't know what they're doing. I don't know if they made this at home. I don't know if they made this back hey, in the day. Wow. You thought it and was so I'm like, I thought it was just them playing around until I literally got the video on YouTube. I was in, I was in like uh, seventh or eighth grade at the lunch table. Some people that knew my dad uh, just, you know, I, I was in sports as well. So a lot of the parents knew who my dad were. And of course he was a praise and worship leader at the time. And so he had a lot of recognition in the community. And so um, this dude comes to school. He's one of my good classmates. And um, he comes to school and he's like, Tony, Tony, you'll never believe what my mom showed me last night. He's like, what? She said that this is your daddy. And I'm thinking like, okay. So he shows me this video and it's like Mason live, living on the edge. It's their, it was their hit single from their album. Um, live in uh, London, on Soul Train London. And I'm watching this video and I'm like, I've seen this before, but I never knew what it was because whole I never different saw context. About him. It was a whole different context. It was like, I went from watching this at, you know, five, six, seven years old on a VCR tape, you know, to watching this on YouTube, you know, and at this time, it, you know, YouTube, it just became a thing, mm -hmm. you know, it was kind of big, you know, I, was, I, I would have been like, so. homie, why, why is your mom talking about my dad? First of all, what's happening? Why, why what's is happening? you, why, what's going on? We, I mean, yeah, we were good friends, but you know, that was a little <laughs> random. Why, why is your mama checking for my dad? My mama wouldn't like this. She don't appreciate that. So, uh, you know, I watched this video and I'm like, so I go home the same day and I'm like, dad, I found this on YouTube. He's like, oh, that's cool. I wanted to have other stuff on YouTube. And so for years now, anytime people are like, where can I find the Mason album or this? Well, you can go on like uh, 80s Jam or something like that. It's like an 80s Jam site where you can buy the actual vinyl or you can go to YouTube, which it has all the songs. Um, it even has dub house remixes, stuff that just like, it's, it's so sad. crazy the stuff that people have dang. done with the music and like, the recognition that it got and it'd be like you know what i'm saying they were signed so growing up i didn't know much about it until like i said until i turned like 14 15 and then i kind of went through I, i'm a nosy kid so like i was that kid that would like go in the garage and go through old stuff just because and so one day i came across the contract the actual contract that they signed back in 87 and of course i can't read a lick I can't read nothing. Um, I mean, I'm not saying I can't read, but I'm saying like, I'm, I'm not understanding all of this paper. Why is it so the thick? Legal term. Why, the legal terms, the do's yeah. and don'ts, you know? And so I see uh, Sony slash Electra Records um, and Warner Brothers Entertainment. And I'm like, Warner Brothers, they make movies. They make music too. And then, so <laughs> I'm reading through this contract and I see my dad's signature. Um, I see my uncle's signature. Um, and I kind of just go through this file. He has a file folder where he kind of keeps all his old stuff. Tablets of songs. I'm talking about, they didn't even have binders back then. They had the old little yellow tablets just full of yellow, just paper and pencil. 
that's all he was doing. That's how he wrote their lyrics back in the day. I saw documents from um, other labels, letters, and uh, gosh, newspaper articles, fan mail. I'm like, what is, who are you? Why didn't you tell me this, who, who you were? You know what I'm saying? Like growing up, I mean, of course you're not gonna tell yourself. The old ways still live. The old ways <laughs> still live. I just have to say too, this Classic. is so reminded me of a moment in Purple Rain when he discovers his father's Sheep. Oh, in the chest. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> After the iconic scene where he's like, where'd you learn that? He's like, I don't have to write down nothing. Right. It's up here. It's up here. <laughs> it's all here. That's all up funny. Here. It's all up here. Funny. Right. That makes me wish Adrian was here right now. Right. <laughs> you would act out that whole scene. Okay, so, so your daddy was in a group, you said, with your uncle, right? My uncles, yeah, they had a group called Mason, M-A-S-O-N. Um, it was their last name. Uh, uh, how I was explained to it, it was kind of like Jackson 5. So my grandfather was Joe Jackson. So he kind of ran the <laughs> show. He kind of did the rehearsals. Um, you know, they would rehearse in my grandmother's basement. So how, wait a minute, how many are in the group? Oh, just three, I'm sorry. There's okay. just three. So one, uh, of, just one three. of those is Gary Mason's daddy right i was just getting ready to say uh okay. so i was ready to explain all the players uh, okay so okay of course on bass guitar uh my uncle gary gary mason who is no sam y rags father um and very talented guy uh i love him uh that's my cousin man he's very very talented um I, there's just so much we, we, we could go into that topic another day but um uh that yeah that's gary's father and then um they have another brother named trey uh mason which I don't know if he has any kids our age just yet. You know, he was a uh, he, he he was the party guy back in the day. So he's uh, really really tall, right? He's the super tall one with the yeah. slick hair. Um, he's, he he would come to cipher quite a bit. He would come to the cipher and sing um, and play. I actually just ran into him uh, at Winco a few days ago. He was just out getting some groceries, and um, they actually just did an interview on a radio show. Okay, um, I can't. It was it was last night. They they went up. I just watched my dad's Facebook live. But basically, they did an interview, and it was like they're bringing Mason back. So oh my it's god, the, it's been in the talks to kind of redo some stuff. So we've been, we've been kind of working. Um, shout out to Kristen Mason, um, C C Mace. C Mace. You know what I'm saying? That's my cousin. T Mason, G Mace. So his his mom um, is my uncle's and my dad's sister, Crystal. Um, there's this funny story about how. They would never let her, my grandfather would never let her be in the group and the guys didn't want her in the group. And at first they were kind of like a group with the girl. And so then, you know, years later, they were like, oh, we just want the guy, we just want the boys or whatever. And, but she would, nevertheless, she went and did shows with them. She rehearsed with them. Um, she was she's there every step of the singer. way. She's an amazing singer. Yeah, she's an amazing singer herself. And so that's why my cousin is so talented. You know, it's just, music is just all around our family. Yeah. Um, so it was just. I love. Free. I love watching you and C Mace play together. Oh man, it's amazing. It's when amazing. Y'all Hopefully, get on he comes stage back home together. Because you, you remember his? Uh, it was his thirtieth birthday party. Mm. At the, oh, in the back Mason of the and friends. And I got to host that. I was so excited, and it was like, Those were the oh my days. gosh! Look at all the Masons here. Like it was. Oh, and we actually performed at the end. Yes, you did. Because that's why I was. Guitar. That's oh, what I was thinking God. about. I was like, well, you. Were, I feel like wow. you were playing the drums, and like y'all were all, you know, somebody had an instrument or singing, and it was just like, yo, this is so wow, cool. The whole freaking family is so talented. Like, 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah, my sisters got on stage. My aunt got on stage. Um, me and Kristen got on stage. My dad got on stage. My uncles got up there and played. I played. We all sang. And it was just like a family reunion. I forgot about I still have pictures. I, I have to go look that I up. I did too. brought back a memory. So I'm like, now I got to actually go look that up. That was a great, great day. It was. Um, those were some good times. I wish they wouldn't have closed the Yeti, but that was a great time. And that was a great time to be around my family, man. And that kind of showcased our talents and showcased, um, you know, what they were really about. And so, yeah. um, you know, what they brought to the table, what we all obtained from them, what we all gained from them uh, musically. And um, yeah, that was just a, a really, really dope time. So um, I was, I fell asleep watching the podcast, not the podcast, but the, uh, the Facebook Live last night what they did yeah i'm gonna go look at his page because i want to know what radio show they were on um and then you know just happened to mention the fact that he was on the voice recently him and faye moffitt oh yeah for sure for sure shout out tulsa shout out faye moffitt yeah um and yeah that was a that was a great experience we had to kind of keep it under wraps for like damn near a year i know that was that was like kind of like intriguing because like the year before i went to the voice and I only made it a certain level. And I was like, oh, you know what? I'm good. I, I made it this far. I'll come back next year. And so um, he told me after he had made it, he didn't tell me when he was going. He kind of, I think he told my mom, of course, or whatever. And so I was like, hey, where's dad at? And she's like, oh, he's out of town. Um, you know, he kind of went to go handle some stuff musically. And I'm thinking like, all right, whatever. He went to do a workshop. What do you, he travels with music. So it's like, he goes from church to church and kind of, um, kind of builds their praise and worship team up, kind of builds their music program up. So anyway, like I'm thinking, oh, he's up in, almost. kind of like a consultant. And he um, he kind of just goes one-on-one with each musician, each singer, the praise and worship leader, the pastor, mm-hmm. um, the minister of music and stuff like that. And he kind of coaches them. He has his own book, um, Rediscovering the Atmosphere of God. And so he kind of goes and does like a conference, kind of like a, uh, what they call an encounter for like three days. Okay. For two days, it'll be like a Friday and a full day Saturday. And he kind of just uh, teaches mainly on worship, you know. Um, what, one thing I've always been taught is, you know, the praise and worship is for God and the word is for us. Mm. So learning mm. to enter the atmosphere of God with the praise and worship team and everybody being on one mind, one accord, um, you know, funny story. Every time, not every time, but most of the time I would go to rehearsal with my dad at praise and worship rehearsal. Um, just a little quick story. Every time I would go in there, I'd be in the back playing the drums in the youth service or whatever. Maybe there's another kid back there. We're just playing on the, the instruments and stuff. And I would come up and there's like a whole worship service going on. There's just the band playing and everybody's just in there praying and worshiping. And it's just like, my dad's like, if you can't worship at, at a rehearsal, how are you going to be able to lead, you know, in mm-hmm. front of, how are you going to be able to lead other souls if you can't even get your soul right at a rehearsal? And a lot of times us as musicians would come to rehearsal and be like, oh, we're just here to play and practice. It's more than just that. You know what I mean? It's not just the, it, we don't just look at the vocalist and say, oh, they're just holding the notes. No, they have to be able to enter into their, to their personal space with God at a certain Into that sacred time. space. Into that sacred space. And that goes for musicians too, because I mean, we could just be up there clear, you know, non-clear-minded thinking about something else and it's like you're not tapped in to leading this worship service right now why are you here well I think that goes for a lot of artists and even from my perspective like you got to be present (laughs) oh right you got to be here you can't leave all your issues at the door yeah you got to be here you got to be ready to lead this crowd and so that's been my mindset every time I get in front of a crowd it's like I like I like 
attention. I like um, interaction. Um, and I just, I like to work with the crowd. You know what I mean? So it's like, if I can't grab your, grasp your attention right there, then it's like, you know, why am I here? What am I doing? What am I doing this for? That's then, actually you know, one that. of the things that I remember most too about C Mace's birthday celebration. Cause you, you were able to get up and sing a few songs. And I was like, I love when I get to hear you sing because <laughs> it's just, it feels like it's few and far between, but a lot of it is because I was doing other stuff, you know, and it's not easy right. for me to make it to a show. So, and right. I know Doc can relate to that. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Right. Back in the day. Yeah. Oh, I try to think about some other forms of music where it's like that, where you can't just show up and go through the motions, like metal bands, like you, <laughs> you're, the, the style of music <laughs> and the intensity that you're playing, you have to, like, there's no, there's no, even right. when you're practicing, letting off the gas pedal. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You all have to be on one accord. So, um, gosh, we went that way with the worship service. That's okay. And I meant to tell you, like, don't feel like you can't tell little stories. We, yeah, right. We, got, we let our conversation um, flow here. We want to hear little. those stories, man. We were talking about um, right before the story came. Mm -hmm. I can't even think of it. Well, I, you were talking briefly about your dad and his history, and you were you found the contracts in the garage, and so what I'm really to the voice. Oh, yeah. go ahead. No, go ahead. No, you go My ahead. Fault. We were talking about the voice. So he didn't tell me um, what was going on, and so of course COVID's going on and all this stuff, and it's it's pretty hectic. Um, so he had a really good friend, a really good connect or whatever, and he does a video audition. Um, I'm gonna back up like two weeks in advance. I come over one day. So I'm still, I don't know about y'all, but I still get my mail sent to my mama's house. I don't care how old I get. <laughs> I don't send my mail. This is my part. I don't send my mail to my apartment. I just don't believe in doing it. It's, it's any gifts, packages, you know, just, you get, you ain't finna steal from me. So that's how I, <laughs> so, um, you know, any mail checks, anything like that, debit cards, uh, medical bills, I send it to my mom out. Send that's it to how the I safest know. space, you know. Send it to the safest place. Y'all can send all the little <laughs> promo target apps and all the little dollars, the Arby's, the little coupon. You can send all that to my house. I don't care. But I'm going to send everything to my mom's house. So anyway, I'm over there <laughs> getting some mail or whatever. Um, my mom calls me the night before. She's like, hey, you got some stuff over here. You know, you know how your parents are. You got a check over here. You want me to open it? No, leave the check, mom. We're good. I'll come get my check. So I come over the next day after work, and um, it's just him at the house. And I don't knock. I'm just, I have a key. So I was like, what's the point of knocking? I kind of made a Facebook post about that a few weeks ago. Like, do you knock when you go to your mom's house? Like, I don't. I, I think don't I saw that. Nah, I don't you know what I'm saying? All, I don't <laughs> ever want to catch you off guard. You know what I'm saying? or anybody I, off I call in advance i call like an hour in advance like hey what y'all doing you know about this time <laughs> that's so I know that hours like... worth of variables that could happen at any moment nah <laughs> i don't walk no mm -mm. you don't want to walk into the wrong situation well no, yeah you never know like even if something like just got out the toilet i don't need i don't even want to walk in right. there until about 20 right. 25 minutes later <laughs> 35 minutes Don't nobody going there so um i come over and um he's he has his own little uh, office slash studio setup or whatever and um uh literally like two weeks before I, like i said uh we had just talked about you know him him getting ready to go back and do music and stuff like that he was working on his own separate project at the moment i was helping him out with that that's another blessing to be able to be um a part of my dad's process it's like you know, he, he's so used to eight tracks. It's like, dad, we have Logic, we have Pro Tools, we have Fruity Loops, we have all yeah. this updated stuff. And so I'm, I'm so happy to be able to help him evolve to the new technology. 
um, with That's microphones and you, you got another similarity with uh, Jimmy Joe. Yeah, I'm able to up upgrade my dad's like sound in a way, and I still get that old school flavor. You know what I'm saying? I get yeah. that real R&B swag, that real mm. '80s pop, and you know what I'm saying. Anytime I'm making music or he's around, he's like, "No, no, 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 this is the baseline right here. Let me do it." I'm like, do I got to feature you? Do I got to add you to this track? Hey, wow, <laughs> you're in the liner notes. Do I have to pay you for this? Because uh, this is this is dope, and I don't want you to come back, you know, this blow up or something pops. <laughs> you know, I love you, but you know, I got to get paid, baby boy. So um, so I, I come over there, and uh, uh, I walk in, and uh, he was like, who is it? I'm thinking, like, there's only three people that have keys to this house. My sister doesn't even have a key to the house. Just me, my mom, and my dad. So he's like, who is it? I'm thinking like, he's, he's in the middle of singing, first of all, let me say this. He's in the middle of a song, like a Donny Hathaway song, which is the song he sang on, um, on, uh, on The Voice, thank you. Uh, he, was, he was singing that on The Voice, but he's singing another Don, Donny Hathaway song. And um, I walk in and uh, like halfway through the verse, he's like, uh, who is it? I'm like, it's me, Pop. Oh, okay. So I walk in on him making this audition video. My sister had bought him like one of those ring lights and stuff like ah, that. Since okay. COVID was going on, they were doing the auditions virtually. Now you could have came to a certain location and went to Oklahoma City or Dallas or whatever the case may be. And, uh, you know, did your audition. But like I said, he had somewhat of a connect. So he just sends in a video and they're like, yep, right away. Um, so I walk in, I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, just recording this video, you know, just... Like, I'm thinking like, you can tell me, man, what's going on. He's like, oh, you, you'll see here in you know, a little bit, just, you know, like two days later, I come back over just to kind of hang out with my parents. Um, it's like a Saturday. I go over there every weekend just to kind of chill with my parents or whatever. And uh, he was like, so that video you kind of walked in on me making, um, that was a virtual audition for The Voice. And I'm like, you're going to The Voice? And uh, he, he kind of shared with me the story. There was a lady that uh, he had a friend, he's a friend, there was a friend on the show who was a contestant like the last 20 um, of last season. And so she's like, hey, I got this friend. He's amazing, blah, blah, blah. You guys should check him out. And then they emailed him and he made this video. And so long story short, he gets invited to go to Oklahoma City to do like the, not the blind, but you go to Oklahoma City and do like this kind of personal one-on-one -on -one with like certain judges and producers and media artists and stuff like that. And so um, I catch him on his way out. He's getting ready to go to Oklahoma City for a few days and he's got his bag packed and stuff like that. And I'm just looking at him like, man, like why didn't you do this like 10, 15 years ago? Of course the voice wasn't really popping like that. It was more like American Idol and stuff like right. that. Which we have we have already done. And you know, you these shows, you know, they're, they're what they are, you know. They you, you get out of them what you get out of them, and, and right. um, they're very great exposure. They give you great coaches. They give you great um, publicists and media artists and people to kind of show you where to go. Like, okay, yeah, you might not be a perfect fit for this show, but you're a perfect entity on your own. You know, you're a right. great artist on your own, and we can we can help you out in certain ways. And so um, he goes on the show and he goes for like the weekend and. Uh, I think he he stayed at a hotel or whatever, and I had a friend that had a uh, that uh, works. At, I'm sorry, my uncle works at a uh, at the Marriott, so he kind of has like a little plug on the hotels or whatever. And so uh, my uncle's like, "Hey, uh, call, tell your dad to call me." He said he needed a needed a room for like another two weeks or whatever, and um, so he gets the room. And I'm thinking like, "You're not coming back like tomorrow." Like he's like, "I'm gonna be there for like three or four days." 
He's like, nah, they want to keep me here. And I'm thinking like, what? And yeah. so um, he's okay. like, hey, get in touch with your uncle for me. I got to go into a meeting, call him back for me, let him know what I need. Well, then he calls me back. He's like, never mind. I, I don't need to go, you know, to the, I don't need my uncle, I don't need your uncle or whatever to do anything. They're going to pay for the hotel. I'm thinking like, okay, what's going on here? But can I come with you? Like, what's, <laughs> yeah. what, what's yeah, about we to roll. happen? Like, what's up? We roll. Like, I'm your roadie, dog. Like, years ago when we were kids, um, when I was younger, and uh, I, I was like in middle school and in elementary and stuff like that, I would go with him. So whenever my mom wouldn't want to go to like do his little workshops and stuff, I would go with him. So I've been on the whole, I've been in first class with him on, on the plane going to Atlanta, LA, Denver, Washington, DC, getting to see all these cities and go meet these pastors. And, um, you know, one of his main spiritual fathers was Dr. Miles Monroe. And so going mm-hmm. to meet him in different states, you know, um, my dad being a spiritual father and like, when I tell you, he treated us like royalty, good Lord. It's like, is this what artists, like, is this what, this what labels treat people like? Is this how this goes? And so, um, <laughs> You know, it, it it was almost like, hey, like take me with you, like the old days. Like, you know, I like missing school for this. Like, let's go. Like, I, I, I don't <laughs> care what I'm doing. Let's just go do it. And so he's like, yeah. He's like, I just keep it, you know, between me and you. And for a while, I felt like I was like the only one he would tell secrets to. Of course, he was telling my mom. I'm like, oh man, you you sharing the juice with everybody, like you know. So uh, he he comes back uh, that week and he's like, hey, I'm getting ready to go to L.A. You know, you can't really tell anybody. Of course, we can tell this now. Like, you know, you can't really tell anybody. Um, you know, the only people that really know is like you, your mom and your sisters, like don't even tell your girlfriend, don't tell your best friend, don't tell your cousins, don't tell nobody unless, you know, it's all approved and stuff. So keeping all this information was very, very hard. Cause it's like, like it's like yeah. we're going. And so, um, you know, and I'm just so amped for him because it's like, this should have been happened personally years ago, but it's like, there's a time and a season for everything and for everything to be unfolding in his life the way that it is now, it's just only, it's only letting me know that my time is coming. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's only letting me know that if you keep going hard, you keep progressing, you keep doing the right things, keep plugging away to the right people, uh, making the connections with the right people, um, you know, it, it, it only gets better. Now he didn't get picked, of course, everybody saw, you know, yeah. they were like, hey, oh, we got texts from family members. Like, um, I mean, not to like bash on any of the of the judges or anything, but, you know, they're like, oh, such and such didn't choose you because they know you'll smoke his ass in a real, real one-on-one battle. And I'm like laughing, like my friends are texting me. I got college coaches texting me. Like, I saw your dad on The Voice. And it's just like so much came from it. And um, so a cool thing was, he was in LA the same time I was. I went down there to kick it with C Mace for a week. Um, I went down there to link up, um, finish up my album, and I just kind of linked up with my cousin and, and we were hanging out. And he was like, uh, Uncle Tony said he was down here. And I'm thinking, like, he told you? So I so I can tell him that. So I, I step out the room, I call my dad. Did you tell Griffin? He's like, no, no, no. I just told him I was in LA. I'm like, all right, cool, cool, cool. And so come to find out, like two days later, he couldn't even meet up with us because of COVID. And he couldn't really mm-hmm. be exposed to other people. So if you weren't already on the show or a producer or somebody working on the show, um, it was kind of like, yeah, you can't really meet up with anyone and stuff like that. So um, I FaceTimed him and, and we just kind of chopped it up, you know, um, being able to meet his producers and, um, you know, the people that were kind of like guiding him were just like, man, your dad is such a great person outside of the music. Yeah. Like, we want to know more. You know, they were calling us to get information. They were calling me to get like, 
I guess he put me down as like the number one contact. He was like, yeah, not my wife, my son. He'll get in contact with you. Because know? my mom's like, she's like, I don't want to deal with all of that. Like, and I get it, I get it. But to me, it's like, it's like a drug. It's like, what you need? What you, I'm on YouTube, you need a link? You need an email? You need a picture? What's up? What you right. need? And so I was kind of like the go-to guy between all of that, just kind of like getting the family together, um, getting all the information together, sending the disc off and sending all the videos and stuff like that. And um they really wanted to touch on his background, kind of like you guys, like they kind of want to touch on his background just on, you know, where he came from, how it started, um, step by step, what they did to get where they were, how they got signed, where they traveled to, who they talked to, Teddy Riley in the picture. It's like crazy oh, snap. to know all of this stuff. Oh. It's like, you know, uh, just, just like I said, growing up around it. And so whenever the voice happened, it was like, Oh, this is it. Like, even if you don't win, it's gonna work out regardless. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's you know, been nothing but positive things happening ever since. You're but, talking about since. your dad and how he facilitates things and how he's a worship leader and and then mm -hmm. you doing that for him. You know, you coming through like, oh, you need a link to this, you need to that, and you kind of probably helped, you know, put that visual together for people so they can yeah. actually see it on TV. But I yeah. just had a moment. As you were talking about that, I'm like, that is exactly what you were doing during the Fila recording sessions. You were like, every time I turned around, I, and it's very a very specific memory, we are in the hallway at the Greenwood Cultural Center in those back, where the back studios are. Mm -hmm. And whatever right. it was, like you were just running back and forth and I caught you for a second, like teammates, you good? You need anything? Like, hey, Allie, <laughs> da, da, da. I gotta go set the microphone for such a da, da, da. And it was just like, <laughs> that's who you were in that, that right. whole, you know, time. Um, so now I'm like, it just come, you just come by it honest. Like I love to, I love to do this. It's like, even if I'm not the face of what's going on, I love to be a part of it. So when Stevie called me to do this, it was like, Stevie called me randomly. First of all, he, he, first, let me say this, Stevie DJ, my best friend's wedding. I didn't know who this guy was at all. After the wedding, I'm fired up i'm just like hey we about to go party this this and that my friend had a uh, wedding at the casino and um i walk up to the, to the dj and i'm like hey man you need help getting your equipment out somewhere i can break i can help you break it down he's like oh for real cool i'm breaking down i'm wire everything set up he's like damn this motherfucker broke down all my perfectly set it aside all the speakers together all the wires in one bag all the microphones everything just kind of wrapped up perfectly he like What's your name? I'm like, T Mason. I'm like, oh, I say Tony Mason or whatever. And so then, um, man, like a few weeks later, um, I get a call from Stevie and, and Canvas. And, you know, he tells me about the Fila project. And he's like, man, I want you a part of it. And he lets me know what's going on. He's like, I really need your help. And, and I'm just like, what? Like, we, do, we doing this for real? So it was just like being able to be a part of the setup and getting the equipment. It was all like, it was like stuff that we lived to do, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So when he called on me, it was like, you know, I don't care about being teammates. I care about everybody getting their, their having a fun time. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I took some time to myself and got to record and link with artists that I've never linked with, um, making great, great connections. I had never known Ray June. So there's this mm. thing about Oklahoma City and Tulsa. Like they have this, 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 barrier or this this it's almost like opposites like they just yeah. they just don't go together it's like I don't know what it is there's always been this beef even when my cousin would go down there and perform at this place called like the blue rose or something 
he would always be like, man, every time I go to Oklahoma City, there's always somebody like not like vibing with me, like somebody hating or, you know, there's some fellas there. And I'm just like, what is this barrier? And so um, there's always been a beef somewhere along the lines of R&B singers. Like there's a, there's a ton of rappers in Tulsa, but when it comes to R&B singers, it's always just like this, who's the best? I'm like, I don't care who's the best. Like you're good at, I'm good at what I do. You're good at what you do. Let's just collab. Let's just do what we do. And I've always pr- tried to be, I've been told that I've, I've been the, the gap, you know, filler when it comes to R&B artists. Cause I ain't worried about all that, you know, who got more followers, who got this much views. It's like, look, we all good at what we do. And I'm not about to act Hollywood to somebody who does exactly what I do. Let's let's make each other better. Let's sharpen each other. So speak so, on um, some of these artists that you've worked with before. I know Ray June, you have a song with him called Dream. Mm-hmm. For okay, sure. But who, for who, sure. El- uh, who else have you collaborated with? Um, that I didn't know or anybody in Tulsa? Just period. Or- yeah, Tulsa. Period. So I had never linked with Jerry Mana. That was one. Um, me and Two Piece haven't really ever done anything together besides his. Uh, well, he we did a we did that song on his project recently, but that was like two years ago. We did that two years ago, and so the fact that it came out this year was like really dope. So I was like, man, what happened to the song? Like, I liked it, but um, so um, being able to live with T Rush, um, and I've been I played for T Rush multiple times, and she's always yep. been like, let's get in the studio, and I'm thinking like all right, let's do it. And then like, it just never happens. Just schedules and, you know, people have other lives and stuff like that. And so we just never got to link. So it was like all that talk about um, people in my DMs, like, hey, let's link, let's do a song. It's like, all right, let's do it. Well, I set up the time and people don't show up or maybe there's schedule conflicts with what's going on. Yeah. So I'm like, you have no excuse at Fila. No excuse whatsoever. You know, I, and I'm used to linking with people like Canvas and Paris Careers and MC on a daily basis because we just kind of kick it like that. Yeah. You know, those are like my brothers, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, you know, we, we, we sharp, iron sharpens iron. And, you know, those are some really solid guys. And I keep them around me because they keep me grounded in a way. You know what I mean? Like, to well, know where I remember where I came from and stuff like that. You've also so. linked with one of my favorite singers in Tulsa, 91. Yeah, that song <laughs> used to. I love that. Yeah. Song. Man, that's my that's my guy, man. Um, I'm hoping to bring. I'm not hoping to. I'm hoping um, that we can do more work together. He's on my album, mm-hmm. so I, I brought him out of the shadows a little bit, and um, you know he has his own life and stuff like that. But um, I remember when Jeremy first came over to my house, and he was like, "Man, I want to do music." And I'm like, "Bro, you're a running back for OSU. You're going to the NFL. Like, no, <laughs> you're not singing anything." And so one day. Um, me and his little brother were like best friends and so we went to school together so one day after school we had got out of football practice or something and Jeremy's in the shower he's singing and his mom's like listen 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 he can sing and I'm thinking like this man not singing and I just happened to walk past and he's just like his and I'm like hold on you on the field and singing it's like it, it's almost like you know you can be talented and be athletic at the same time it's not impossible well I you told know, him dad, once he reminds me a lot of um a, a guy that uh, played Party football for OU. Door. He's from Winniewood, mm. James Allen. Mm. And he, same mm. thing, like all-star okay. football player, went, played at OU, went to Chicago Bears, you know, and then he just was like, you know what? He quit and he's, yeah. he pursued a music career, but he also did some other things as well. But like, right. that was really his passion. And I'm like, your stories are so similar. That's so weird, you know? Right. But yeah, so I, I get just, it. Like you follow your, your passion, you know what I mean? And that's what really matters. Um, it just, 
you know, I look back on it in college. I went and played at a JUCO and people always tell you the JUCO is like the worst of the worst. So you're going to get the lowest of the total goal before you get a division one or division two or division three school or NAI, whatever the case may be. Right. And um, I just kind of got like after high school, it was like I had opportunities to go to like Dallas School of Arts or, mm -hmm. you know, it was almost like the it was almost like the uh, the Juilliard of Dallas. If that yeah, that's sense. where Nora Jones graduated from. Nora Jones actually went. Yes, she did. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was like, you know, like the Berkeley, it was like the closest Berkeley I could really get to <laughs> yeah. Full Sail or Berkeley and all these. And so I didn't really know about Full Sail or Berkeley until I ran into a, you probably know these people, Tyler and Taylor Pratt. Mm -hmm. um, they go by uh, ACG by a group they were a rap group so that's another group uh, that came out of Greenwood Christian Center never forget that um B Priest Brian Hamilton um another artist that came out of Greenwood Christian Center yeah um gosh you're gonna have me going all through the list my sister um Ty Mason um gosh uh, we could go on and on about that but anyway um anyway so just just not knowing about that the artistic side of the school it was like I was so focused on the league like you know Right. Junior year, I'm getting all these letters from colleges. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm about to go. No, wait, what, what college. are you playing? I think I missed that part. Is this football? I played football. I'm sorry. Yeah, I played okay. football. Quarterback, receiver, free safety. Oh. Um, went to college and just kind of got pushed to the back a little bit. Like, oh, I ain't the greatest one here. Like, mm -hmm. you know, and so you kind of started to realize like, all right, this is where you got to actually work for this. Yeah, I earned a starting spot. Yeah, I earned a position on the team. And, you know, um, and played and, and, I, and I did very well, but it was like, after my first year, I was like, do I really love this? Yeah. Is this really what I want to do? You know, every, every night uh, players are coming to my room just to listen to me make beats. And there's like eight guys in my room and we're past curfew. They're like, Mason, what you got going on in here? I'm like, just in here doing what I love, coach. I've done my homework. Like we didn't been to, we didn't been to study hall. We didn't done all that. Like, I'm just, I'm just doing what I love. And so, um, being in college at NEO, they're a JUCO, they're a JUCO school. So they're like, they're only like a two year. You can go there for four years if you want. Mm. It's totally up to you. But, um, you know, they didn't really have a music program. So they had like the basic stuff, like how to read music. They had like music theory, um, jazz band, um, choir, uh, art orchestra. So in order to obtain the, 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 you know, music business degree that I got, I had to go through like music theory never in my life so there's one thing I, I do get mad at my dad for he never taught me how to read music but I'm only going to tell you this because he never learned how to read music he because learned you have of, a god-given talent of being able to play by ear it's a play by ear my dad tells a story all the time he used to steal Trey Trey Mace his older brother used to steal Trey's guitar he would go in the back of the house take the radio out of the garage and he would go plug the radio up and he would go sit in the back and he would just learn how to play and I'm thinking like damn Look here, let me show you something. You see this? Do you know what this is? These are reeds for a tenor saxophone that someone let me borrow. Hey. I'm about to look. Pick it up. I've been, look, all I had to do was get me some reeds. So, but yeah. I get it. Like, you gotta I, soak have, them first. I know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, trust me. I used to play the baritone sax. So imagine that where you. What? Yes, what? honey. I, and I'm just what? saying, like, when you have that thing in you, where you can play right. <laughs> and, like, when you can play an instrument and it's like you just play what you feel you don't 
Like I get right. the whole, I, I wanted to be able to read music. Hell honey, that's how I feel about being in radio. I didn't get to go to school right. for that. Every single thing I'd learned was hands-on thanks to Aaron True. Bernard, DJ Romeo, Big Drew, Big City. These are the, the people who trained me. You yeah. know what I mean? So your daddy, you know, he didn't really do you disservice because he knew you had that ear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he knew somewhere along the lines, he'll pick it up or he'll figure it out on his own. One of yeah, days. but so Which made me kind of, go ahead. You learned how to read music though, eventually. I, I learned how to read some music and mm -hmm. it was amazing to my teachers how I was able, I was like the Nick Cannon of my, of my college. <laughs> in other words, I was the one guy I'm in choir one day and they're doing the do, do, say, me, Roth. I still don't yeah. know it to this day. Do, do, I never knew it. So I'm in, I'm in class with my little book. And so we had these, uh, these Bahamian dudes that, um, that went, that went there. They have like a whole, I don't know if it's like a trade school thing or if they were like doing a student visit or whatever, but there was a lot of Bahamian, uh, students that came over. Funny story. So, you know, I, I touch back on Dr. Miles Monroe. That's right. my dad's spiritual father. These guys were from Nassau, Bahamas. So when they found out what my name was, when I tell you these guys helped me in every class, every test, they were like, Tony, I would come over to their dorm rooms. I would get ragged on by my teammates. But why are you hanging out with them, them Bahamian cat? I would go over to their dorm rooms and they would teach me rudiments and notes and it was just they were so happy to just be around me They're like you're Tony Mason son you're Tony <laughs> and it was just like what like y'all know me and it's just crazy like you're an extension it, it, it of him blew, it blew my mind to know like one day we were in class and I just happened to play one of my dad's songs on I was like hey let's just play to this or something it was uh one of his songs off of his album um off of the church album and they were like is this Tony Mason? And I'm like, who? I'm like, yeah, how you know my dad? And they're like, he's been to Nassau multiple times. He's like I said, he's Dr. Miles' spiritual son. So anytime he did a conference, he would fly my dad out, my dad and my mom nice. out to the Nassau Bahamas, put them up in this beautiful uh, home on the beach and just, they get a chauffeur, just at food, just everything, you know, took care of them, paid for their flights, their hotels, their staying, their food, everything, just everything. And so, they just kind of knew my dad off of just doing praise and worship, yeah. you know, coming over there. And so, you know, they kind of helped me through college. I, I thank them a lot. Um, but I would be in class, like not knowing what's going on. And so I'd be in my book like, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but they're helping me all through the entire process. And um, so, like I said, I'm the only one that really, was like the Nick Cannon didn't really know how to read music. So I'm in there doing rudiments and stuff like that. I would kind of memorize the song and memorize when the breaks were, um, when I had to play four notes, six notes, eight notes. And so I kind of had to break it down in like football terms and certain routes and stuff uh. like that. So they were able to help me, you know, all my routes from high school, really from middle school all the way to college were numbers. So they all started from left to right. And I basically just applied that rudiment schedule to my left to right, I, you know, if it's over here, it's an X receiver, it's a Y receiver, it's a Z receiver, you know what I'm saying? And I would just play those rudiments and notes. Now, I'm not the best at it now, but it's definitely helped me progress in my music career now to this day, to the music that y'all have heard from Calling, all the way from Remember. My favorite, my favorite track. Hey, um, you know, people don't know, I made that, you know what I'm saying? People are like, did you make? I'm like, it's crazy because I didn't think I could play keys. 
And once they taught me how to use these four fingers and play a chord, it was it. It was like, y'all don't gotta tell me nothing else. I don't need to know nothing. And, and of course I had to learn more, you know, cause I wanted to get better and, and learn my augmented chords and stuff like that and major and minors and stuff like that. But I'm, I'm sorry, man, I'm gonna interrupt you for ahead. a hot second. Cause I'm so You're tempted fine. to ask you to sing. <laughs> cause it's like one of the things like, you know, when you get an art for me, when I get an artist that comes on the show and I get to interview them, I'm like, will you just rap for a hot second? Or would, would you mind singing for a hot second? Like I love right. Colin so much i love that song that was right. two years ago right teammates when you dropped two years that? ago two years ago it and doesn't even still, feel like it it feels timeless it doesn't still my most streamed song to to date yeah i believe it my most streamed song and it's like oh this is what y'all like so it's like all the <laughs> me found out the formula i found out the formula and so me trying to do other other stuff like um i just dropped notice and stuff like that mm -hmm. um you know, me trying to tap into a new wave. It's like, okay, that's cool. But go back to the, go back to the call and swag. Like, that's what we like. Yeah. So it's like, you know, yeah. trying to, trying to, you know, balance what I love, you know, the sounds that I love and trying to mix it into that 90s R&B. You know, I listen to a lot of. I definitely Jodeci. hear the 90s R&B in your Right. Music. And growing up, people wouldn't believe it's like the kids my age, they would be playing like, who was hot back then? Chingy. And, um, you know, Snoop Dogg was kind of hot back in the day. But whatever the music was in the early 2000s, I was like five years back. I was like Blackstreet, um, Boys yes. to Men, Jodeci, uh, anything that had to do with Teddy Riley, it was in my cassette tape. It was Guy. in my CD bag. Guy. Oh, my gosh. Don't even get me started on Guy. We can talk about the future all you want because that, that's right. my we can favorite. Talk about, we can talk about the, the, the 21st century all day, but it's like when it comes to 90s music, it's like my playlists go crazy. And I remember my dad uh, handed me a CD, CD, one of those little CD bags that had like 100 CDs in it. And yeah, it just had book. nothing but a little book. And it had nothing but copies and original copies of, of just um, of 90s music. And just growing up on that, I still have it to this day. And every now and again, I'll pop it in my laptop and I'll just kind of listen to those sounds and I'll kind of get my formula back and I just get, that's how I start progressing. It's like mm -hmm. everything repeats itself at some point in time. Oh yeah, Think the 90s joggers, are definitely making some kind of a comeback and like comeback. I'm hearing a ton of 90s samples right now. Like new music every that comes day. through that gets put in rotation at K-Jams. I'm like, yo, every these day. 90s babies that grew up on this music because I, I know my daughter did. On the Jeep. And it's like, I don't really want to say, and it's like, oh, oh, oh. can we and get it, it so together? together? And so it's like to hear, you know, artists these days sample that stuff and make it new age. It's like, yeah, wow. It's, it's really starting to thing. make a comeback. I thought I was the only one that loved 90 samples and 80 samples. It's like, yeah. you know, now I'm getting into my dad's music and I'm like, hey, can I use this? Yeah, you gotta pay me in with it. You know what I'm saying? So it's oh, like, wow. you know, I can hear I him saying a, it too. I, I, I kind of get like a, you know, I remember one day I was actually in there sampling something specifically. And uh, he was like, yeah, you'd have to get in touch with whoever at Electra Records or Sony. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, dad, so you can't call them yourself and say, hey, my son wants to sample the music. <laughs> Is it okay? Copyright, whatever. I'm thinking like, you own it. And so he was like, yeah, I do. But you know, there's still some, you know, you still gotta go through stuff. And I yeah. thought, you know, yeah. Um, 
a lot of red that's what tape. I strive on. There's a lot of red tape. That's what I strive on a lot um, with younger artists nowadays. And so um, that's what helps me uh, help other artists. So like when we were at Fila, it was like, you know, being strategic about everything and trying to help everybody progress. Like, oh, do this or do this. Well, and you were creating original works too. Right. It wasn't sampling right. at the time. You know what I'm saying? We were making fresh music, you know, two piece, canvas, uh, worm, um, all the beats that came from there. It was like, there wasn't enough time. So whenever we met to do all the beats and stuff like that, funny story, whenever we met to do like the, the beat selection and however many were, people were gonna upload, it was like, I know canvas, like Evan used to come over to my house. He still does his day, comes over to my house every day. He brings his table, his speakers, his NPC, his laptop, his <laughs> headphones, his microphone. And it's like, bro, I got all of this over here. Yeah, I know. I just want to use my own. He and he comes own. over. He wants his own. And he'll come over and just make like 20 beats. Like, I could go to sleep, go go get some food, come back. He's still in there cooking up. That's, you know, my neighbor he had like, What's that going concentration on? Like, face. He like, was in his bag. Yeah. Like, you, I saw before. it come over him when he was in the breakfast nook kind of area at the oh mansion. And I was gosh. like, you know what? I'm going to back up. <laughs> like, I, I, I let knew. him do his thing. Yeah. Leave him alone. Yeah. So, Evan, Evan is, it was doing his thing. And so, you know, just being around all those artists during Fila was just amazing. Being able to collab with people I've never, never even known. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Um, uh, I want to say I never knew who Sid Carter was mm. and I met him in in a room it was me Paris Careers I don't know if the song I nobody knows what songs made the album but I don't I don't know if this one made the album for sure but it was me Paris Careers Sid Carter and Ray June and when I tell you we made one of the hottest records I thought was one of the hottest records um, of the weekend of course there's probably tons of records made that weekend but Oh, just yeah. like to be able to collab with them and it was like dang do you remember the like, name of it um it's okay if you say it it was called it was called like riding through the town or something ray june was on the hook okay. me and ray june did part of the hook uh paris and sid carter kind of did the verses and me and ray june just kind of flowed throughout the verses did backgrounds and it just like i remember hakeem walking in and like what the fuck is going on what is, <laughs> what, why y'all didn't call me i want to get on this record and stuff like that hey, don't go on so much. That seems like a good meeting of mine. So, Ray June, you know what I'm saying? That really good '90s vibe too. And so when I met Ray June, we just kind of clicked. Like it was crazy because um, my girl was like, uh, uh, he came over to the house like the week the we, we finished on a Monday. He came over like the following weekend. Like never have I known this guy. Don't know him from shit to sugar. Just like, but I knew he was a good guy. I just felt it when you just know somebody has a good spirit. Yes. You just you just can't deny. Like you know what? There's a reason we had you know. And so me and him had never had a song the whole weekend. Well, that Saturday he was like, "Hey man, you're not finna keep running away from me, bro. We gonna get a song." I'm thinking like, "All right, cool." He heard calling. He was like, "Bro, we gotta get a song together. Even if it ain't with Fila, we gotta get a song." And so um. We went to Malachi's office, the big room by the with the glass and stuff like that. And it was like H23 was the beat name. And we don't even know the song. We 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 literally just talked yesterday. He called me at like five o'clock. He's gonna he was here in town or whatever in Tulsa. And he was like, Man, what's the name of that beat that we did the song to? I'm like, bro, I don't even I just know it's H23. 
That's all I know. <laughs> we could never find it. I went through all the drives that we had uploaded. I was like, bro, I don't know where that track is. But it was just like, can we get that? Even if we don't use that for Fila, can we get that for us? You know what I'm saying? So um, just being able to link with guys like that. And um, yeah. Paris and, and Ray June kind of know each other because they're more like faith-based artists. And so right. um, Ray June being church grounded really was more comfortable for me. Cause it's like, I don't really want no, like just random people coming into my house. So knowing that someone has good intentions to come and actually work. And it's like, they're not looking for anything in specific. It's like, Hey, I'm just trying to link up, you know, make some collaborations. Um, we kind of had our own feeler one day he came over and we were cooking up and out of maybe six beats, two of the songs are on my album right now that he's on. And it's crazy. Yeah. Cause it's like, He's got like an intro, he's got an interlude, and he's on one actual song with me. So it's like, damn, like who is this guy? Like, okay, you know, so we've, that's what I want to talk to you about. Cause you have it's three singles that you've released, right? Three Recently, uh, you have dream. No Love, Dream with Ray June, mm-hmm. and Notice. Notice. So Notice. when is the album? So um, I knew that was I knew that question was known. My girl literally, my girlfriend asked me this morning. She was like, so when they ask you about the album, what are you going to say? I'm like, you know, it's like, I haven't You're prepared up the this. streams there, T. Right, What's happening, right. bud? <laughs> um, I, I haven't really prepared that part yet. It's just, you know, going on, what's going on in America right now with COVID and, and yeah. the, the, the current situation, you know, when the, when the race riot stuff hit, not the race riot stuff, but when the the, the, the stuff hit the media, you guys right. pretty much can catch on what I'm talking about. Right. Um, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement hit. It was like, now's not the right time. It's like, it's I need to shift my focus. I need to be community teammates right now. I don't need right. to be artist teammates. And I wanted to shift to the community and show that, show that I care about what's going on. Um, and I didn't want to make it about me. You know, it was, mm. it was more about what's going on in um, our culture. And I kind of wanted to focus on that. And so that kind of took a, a lot of focus away from the album, but I was okay with that mentally like, and emotionally. I feel like you're kind of speaking for a lot of artists, not even just locally, but, um, for sure. you for know, sure. I was talking to uh, Fonte, little brother about that very thing, hey. that very okay. thing. And it was, you know, the, just trying to like get his, where yet you know like they dropped a whole project like you know what i'm saying like halfway through the tour they were gonna do a second leg couldn't do it because of covid and it was like damn i was supposed to go see them in brooklyn like right right. for my own personal i was salty but then i'm like imagine how i feel as a fan or a listener or whatever what's it like for the artist you know that's and another thing that he had said I feel like he tweeted this or something, but it was something like, that's our release, like being able to be on stage. So I feel like because I have seen you perform, you know, several times and I get why you would kind of put that on hold. And the reason why I'm like, well, where's the new album? Da, da, da. That's of course what a lot of people want to do. But I usually try to say to pe- artists, I should say, um, take your time, you know, like if it don't feel right, don't do it. It's supposed to happen when it's supposed to happen. Let it be a natural thing. And if I like how you said that about, I needed to be community team ace. You knew, you know what, you know it's what not I mean? about me. Let me slide over here for a minute. So it meant more to me to, you know, um, to care about that versus, you know, cause I can go in, I can come in here and turn these speakers on and go all day and right. not care. You know what I'm saying? And there's still, not to be disrespectful to any artists at these labels, but there's still rappers out here talking about the same 
bullshit that's going on and that's that's killing our community. I don't mean to cuss. I'm sorry if this is a you can cuss you know, but that, that it bothered me the most when I heard when the George Floyd situation came out, like three, two, three days later. Um, I'm gonna leave this name his artist nameless, but he dropped the song and it was just talking about killing motherfuckers and fucking hoes and making money and popping pills and drinking drink. And it was just like, bro, do you not see what's going on in our community right now? And this is what so Interscope said yes to this. Is that what you're telling me? Right. Like Interscope approved this. Is there no, is there somebody, not a publicist somewhere that said, hey, maybe we should hold off on this until 2021 or to the until this blows over at least. Show some respect or you know what I'm saying? And so um, you know, that's when Dream came about, you know what I mean? And it was more of like a um, I, I didn't want to drop anything that kind of had to do with, you know, anything like making love and, you know, getting drunk and having, it just, I didn't want to do anything out of, out of what was going on. So when Dream came along, which was right after Fila, it was like, all right, this is a positive song. This can kind of grab some attention for my younger, you know, my younger people, like my younger cousins, they loved it. Um, my nephew sings it every day. I'm like, this is perfect. Like, this is like something that I wanted to reach the youth. It wasn't necessarily for the people 25 and up. This was more for, you know, young black men across America to be like, you know what? I have a dream to be, I was meant to be a king regardless. Everything is supposed to be us at the end of the day. And so, um, you know, whenever the the uh, George Floyd thing hit, it just, it just kind of made me sit back and think like, you know, we need to refocus our attention on other things. There's other things that need our attention that have been blown over for years, for months, mm -hmm. for weeks, for days, for hours that need our attention, um, that deserve more attention versus the stuff that we talk about in the media. And it's crazy because all of the media in the world is controlled. 80% of the media is controlled by one man. That's crazy to me. 80% of the of the world's media is controlled by one person. That 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 scares me. It, it scares me so much because it's like you press a button and that's all it is. That's all you get. Yeah. There's no changing his mind. There's no, you know, and so I didn't want to get too emotional because I, I kind of go, I can go for that for days. But um, you know, working on the album, it just kind of, you know, it, it shaped me into creating a true album I think as far as um you know not I wasn't really focused on hits on this project and I know people are like oh you haven't dropped nothing in two years so when Dream came out it was like oh you dropped a single you know and like you haven't dropped nothing since calling and I'm like oh I just because I haven't dropped from my page don't mean I haven't been creating music working right. on other people's albums writing for other people doing features like you know all that stuff came about you know and um you know, the Mo3 feature, the the No Love, um, me and my friend Killer, his name is Daryl, it's not, not like Killer, like I'm gonna kill you, but it's like, he just obtained this name over time, <laughs> you know, I met this guy five years ago, and he had just recently got out, and um, he did like a bid of like five, and um, I told him I was gonna talk about him tonight, so he's, he's uh, he'll probably be listening to the podcast when the, when, whenever you guys <laughs> drop it, but um, uh, we, we were kind of chopping it up and um, he, I was like, you know, I'm getting ready to talk about the show, the song or whatever and what was going on. And so um, he was okay with it. But anyway, we had met and he was trying to get his life together. He had just got out and he came across my music. And when I tell you this guy, not he was knocking on my Facebook door every day. Like, hey, when we go get in the studio? 
when we go in the studio. And I'm just like, who is this guy? Leave me alone. <laughs> like, and, 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 and my girl tell you all the time, there's people that are in my DMs every day. Like, when can we get a song? I'm like, I don't even know you, bro. Like, and it's not that I, it's not because I don't know you. It's just, I'm kind of like, Robbie Rich said in an in a interview one day on Hot 95, he was like, there's features that I turn down, even if they pay me my regular feature price because I don't feel like I'm a part of that song. I don't feel like that song is for me. There's certain stuff that I like to rap on. There's certain stuff that I like to collaborate with, but just because the money right don't mean it's always the right song because right. They, exactly. they, their intentions and their message and their heart might not be in the same mental mindset that yours in. Yeah. And so that is a reason why it's like, you know, if you want me to get on a song and talk about, oh, I'm gonna slice him up. It's like, that's not T Mace, mm -mm. you know? Yeah. That's, that's just not who I am. And, and you might pay me my you were raised. It's not how I was raised. So I don't want to be playing this. I don't want it to blow up and be like, mama, look what I look what I made. It's talking about <laughs> killing motherfuckers, but hey, I made a million. It's like it's more about the music to me than it is the money at some point. You know what I mean? And yeah. you know, it we're all doing this for exposure. We're all doing it because we love it. We're all doing it, you know, most of us are doing it for the money and stuff like that. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just the image that I have to create for myself. Yeah. You know, when they when they look back on my history, they're gonna be like, oh, he's Tony Mason's son. Okay, so he didn't get into all that other stuff, um, all the stuff that was negative and stuff like that. I want to be able to leave a reputation that says, you know, hey, this guy was very creative at what he did. Um, he wasn't derogatory in his music. And that's kind of shaped my music now to be a little bit cleaner. And so that goes back to linking up with Ray June because yeah. he, like I said, he's a faith-based artist. So it kind of made me get on a, on on a more like oh you got to really get your penmanship up well you know and so, and i keep wanting to ask you if you've ever thought about doing more of a gospel contemporary christian type um, album before because um, i just feel like you could be something in your future you know like um i've, I've thought about the tone swag the uh the tone oh wait swag. oh hold on what who's you know, that what the you know? tone who's tone <laughs> wait 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 dr freeman do you know who tone is uh, no, please enlighten us both. Oh, okay. Okay, Tone is, um, he's an early 2000s, 90s R&B slash pop artist that was a gospel singer. Just look up T-O-N-E-X. It's spelled Tone. Okay. Um, I call it the Tone swag. Like, that's more of like a, he kind of made, he made faith-based music. Um, in our youth group, we used to play his songs all the time back in the day. Um He's more up there like with Lecrae and um, uh, I can't think of the other guy's name. Um, he, he's more of a he's more of a Christian, straight Christian based, great okay. Christian based. Well, you artist. said Tone, I thought you were like going like that. Oh no, Stephon vibe. Like you <laughs> me too. To, I that was like the evolution of T Mace's Tone Mace. T Mace, you know T May, you know T May do it. He May do it. You never know. But T May. Uh, T May, T May do it, you know what I'm saying? But uh, <laughs> uh, Tony, Tony is a he's he's a, you just have to look him up. I you Go look him up. I'm going to. Um, Tony is a Christian. He like I say, he's a Christian R&B singer that came out in the in the early '90s, late they're kind of early 2000s or whatever. Um, he kind of made like hip hop R&B music, you know, and he was kind of like that that guy that kind of got was there. And then he met people at Warner Brother and, and Electra Records, and he kind of went just a different route. He just went totally just the other opposite route. It's like, what, can I just pause for a hot second? Because what is it about Warner Brothers? Because y'all know they did this man 
wrong as well. So the one that's right here over my left shoulder, if you can't see it, <laughs> that's Prince. Oh, okay, okay. Um, Warner Brothers, they are, goes back to the media being 80% owned by one person. Um, you know, I'm not saying Warner Brothers is that that person, but, um, or that one, that 80%, but I don't know, Warner Brothers, they just, they ha it's like them and Interscope. It's almost like the East versus the West. Like when, when uh, uh, Bad Boy was going against, uh, <laughs> when Bad Boy Death was Row. going against Dev Row, it was like, it was like either Interscope or you with Warner. It's yeah. what you gonna do? Cause you can't, you ain't no in between. Ain't no Island Records, ain't no Car Park Records. It wasn't, um, there wasn't, you know, Sony of course was, Sony and or and, and Warner were basically one and one, but you know. Yeah. Um, Warner is just, they CBS have a big records. reach. CBS, thank CBS you. CBS was, that was back in like the 70s. CBS was, 60s, they controlled 80s. a lot. Which a lot of people don't know, the CBS made records. I mean, when I first started Crate Digging, I was like, a lot of my favorite stuff, or like weird alt folk gear, like even Tom Petty. BB King. Yeah, yeah. Also, mm. CBS Records. BB King, CBS like, Records. Like, wow. you know, Elvis, Which is why those, those uh, imprints started splitting off, like Electra, RCA, etc. Like, that was like their way of. It's like CBS, ABC, Warner Brothers, they're the money. And then their right. split offs are where they let go of creative control, but here, use our money. Cause you need that okay. you need capital. What you, need. you need, you need yeah. our media, you need all that stuff. Yeah, Disney did this you need to control. Marvel. Yeah, Disney did the same yeah. thing with Marvel and then also bought Thank everybody you. else and then they're about to buy Warner Brothers and then they'll have like the fifth Infinity Stone and then Mickey Mouse is gonna control the universe, whatever. <laughs> right, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. That's basically what it is. It's like at the end of the day, it all falls back on one per that's what I'm talking. That 80% yep. is controlled by mm -hmm. one person. It's oh, Viacom, let me right? get that too. So let me get that let too. Let me get let that me too. Let that. me get VH1, MTV. Let me get um um let me get uh uh what's uh, Wiz Khalifa's Taylor Gang rec. Let me get all of that. Let me get everything <laughs> when it comes to Interscope. It's like these guys, they have so much money, man. And it's I'm they're sorry, they're just bought just in. I can't quit laughing about Mickey Mouse controlling the world. He's sitting on top of the Epcot the you? Center. No, 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 no. It's the truth. It's the it's universe the because he's going to be wearing that glove and he's, he's going to go, he's going to go like that. Mickey <laughs> Mouse, gonna have the house. Hey, kids. Hey. <laughs> oh, dog. Oh, you wild, dog. Woo. That's crazy. So teammates, talk to us some more about if you want to, if, if you are able to kind of sort of give us a preview of what the album will be like. I know you said you didn't really focus on, you know, making hits per se, but it's like, what is the feel, I guess, is what I want to know more oh. behind it. Like, how do you feel, how do you feel about your baby? You know what I mean? Um, I kind of took it back to my roots. I got a lot of West Coast um Ooh. swag going on 90s baby west coast swag type stuff um people don't really believe that the west coast really started in tulsa but la just kind of cultivated it you know people weren't that. playing people weren't playing uh yearning in la before they was playing it in tulsa oklahoma because people know where the gap is at baby they don't mm -hmm. don't don't forget just because Charlie don't come home, don't forget where the sound really was created. That West Coast sound, I believe, was really created right here in Tulsa. Speak on and it. Then, I have heard this so many times. I've heard this. It's it's like me and Kristen always talk about it when we get on the phone. It's like, man, you just got that fucking feel. It's like 
when he plays his bass, when he makes his beats, it's like you can hear it in my music, you can hear it in his music, you can hear it in a lot of people's music. And it's also, it's like we just have a certain sound, and you just kind of know, like, you know, that that didn't come from anywhere. You know, that didn't just come. That didn't come. You can't sit here and say that that came from LA. I do, I don't believe it. You. You can put any LA, you can put Snoop on here. Snoop will even say it. We got that swag from Uncle Charlie. I've heard him say it in interviews. We got that, we got that whole West Coast bounce. You know, we got that from Uncle Charlie and the Gap Band. And, and uh, you know, they, they brought that sound out there. You know, nobody was playing that, you know, before he came out. And so, um, so we got that, I got that sound going on right now. And it's more just like 90s R&B. I'm kind of talking about, um, some stuff I went through relationship wise and life wise, that's just kind of like, it's relatable in these mm. days. Um, you know, being in separation from someone, separating from someone and then being in love with someone. And so, um, like I said, that's my focus was more like on day-to-day -day relationships, being in, in you know, a situation with somebody every single day. So that's why I didn't want to press the album during the time because it was like, this is kind of like, you know, let's let's get past all of this and COVID and all of that. It would have been perfect had the, all that George Floyd stuff not happened and it was just COVID because it was like, oh, okay, perfect. Like you locked up with your boot. It's the perfect album to play. That's what I was about to say. It might have actually you know been like, <laughs> It might have been a good time, you know? And so um, the guy who's consulting me, my I call him my manager right now, you know, until, until things get official. But um, he was like, you know, let's just hold off till now. And uh, we were actually just recently talking and I was like, man, you know, had this whole Black Lives Matter stuff not started back up and, you know, we weren't really dealing with police brutality and all that stuff this would have been a perfect time to drop, you know, the album because it just, it flowed. It was like, you know, you're going to be locked up with your girl all day. You're going to lock up with your boyfriend. Like, play this. This is what right. you need. Right. You know what I'm saying? And so each song has a lesson in it to me. And um, I even talk about it in an interview that I'll be dropping here soon um, that I did. Uh, it's, it's called like the, 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 today forever show i can't really tell you what it is i'll drop it on instagram and i promise you i'll tag everybody okay please do um, that was a part of the project um but uh i did an interview and it, i was just kind of talking about how i was really just more by myself during this album um i kind of just kind of closed everybody off and i got a few people i did every track besides one canvas did one one album one beat on the track and um everything was just kind of like in-house um you know just creative wise and so then when it came to the recording process that's when I had to kind of bounce around and get other ears set on the record like hey I need you to do this hey I need you to listen to this hey I, you know so um, yeah. I'll be having a listening party soon and um, we'll be setting everything up but like I said ever since that you know COVID hit and all that stuff it's like it's just been kind of just tough trying to get everything yeah. going um, so I'm finishing up the last video here in the next few weeks and we will be ready all go. I think it's but a little many, late to drop it. How many tracks are on the album? Can I ask that? Yeah. We had 17 at first and we cut it down to 13. Oh, dang. So That's those other four, right. So those other four tracks, what? What you know about 13? I'm born um, on the 13th, so honey, February the 13th. What? <laughs> uh, my manager was like lucky number 13 i'm thinking like oh well i don't know about that but we, we'll see what happens and so those other four tracks um one of them being noticed um were a part of the album but they just you know you know how it is you just kind of you, you just you don't I, one thing paris career has taught me 
was you never go with the first idea. Mm. Mm. And you just kind of have to know that you know, if that makes sense. He just, I was around him all last summer and we just kind of kicked it every day. And it was just like, he told me, he was just like, man, you know what? You, you never go. I, I was like, well, how do you get where you get? And he was like, man, most of the time I never go with the first idea. And I'm like, damn, that could work. You know, if you actually just apply it to yourself, it's like, just because it, it oh, it sounds cool. It's like, just because it sounds good doesn't mean it's always the right idea or the right procedure to go about. And well, so- um, I get that. Like you, you need that time to like, listen to it. Like you said, you pass it off to other fresh ears to listen to. Mm-hmm. You need time to polish it. And then you might hear another little, oh, I could have done a little ad lib here, blah, blah, blah. Like right. it's really, it's almost as if you could take that original idea. You just built on it. You know what I'm saying? Right. And made it better. Yeah, you so, and so yeah. the cool process about this album was um it's been over like two years wow. so like when I was getting ready to drop a project last year it was like you know people uh who was it I think it was Steph he was like ain't you about to drop an album this year and I'm thinking like yeah and it's like I go listen to it and it's like nah that's not it mm. yeah bring, it back. Not it. bring it back you, know, you gotta go back to the drum board and it's like so whenever like I said whenever I drop calling and people are like, man, you haven't dropped nothing in a year, two years. It's like, just wait on it. You know, everything takes time. And um, when, another thing Paris kind of, you know, taught me was like, you know, don't rush to put out music. Why? Yeah. Why rush to put something out that wasn't technically already prepared? It's almost like, it's almost like throwing a, a raw chicken on the plate. It's or I half cooked the chicken. Like, oh, I'm gonna put knowing that you got to put this chicken in the in the oven for about forty minutes, and I'm gonna put it in there for fifteen. Like, hey, you want to eat this? Like, no, there's no point nah. in doing that. It's, it's, still it's pointless. It's still bloody, <laughs> right? It's just not right. And so taking those two, those two specific things, not having, not going with the first idea and then not rushing to put out something mm-hmm. also played a major role because it was like, it just wasn't time. Yeah. And so it makes me wish I could have been a fly on the wall in your process. I've, I've actually gotten an opportunity to sit with a few artists and like watch them work through that or they'd be like what do you think you know they ask me like right. what, do you, what do you think about my music blah 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 and every right. time that's ever happened to me I'm like I first of all I am honored that you even asked mm-hmm. me thank you because this is your it's a very sacred thing for someone to be like listen to Man. this created and Man. please and it's kind of like what Erica Badu said and keep in mind I'm an artist and I'm sensitive about my shit you know like right like right. I will, I will most definitely like thank you for even asking me to listen to yeah. that you've not shared with anyone else. Like that's love. So yeah, that's it really love. is. It really is. So trying to get people to come over and listen to it. Um, one one person I will say we brought him up earlier that's been like on my bumper about like sending him a private link is ninety one. He's like, bro, hey. send me a link. He calls it. me like every other day. Like, hey, bro, you, you, you is, it ready yet? is it ready yet? Is it ready yet? Is it ready yet? Are you done? And so I'm like, okay, you know, I, I, you know, so whenever he comes over, he's like, well, play the album, play this song first, but play this song, then play this song. And so um, another process that took the longest was knowing how to put the songs in order. Yeah. I, I that was like, another, that was another thing that I was about to say was like, there was a moment I had with a, a rapper and um, that's actually what he was asking me to help him with. was like, what order are you, what should be next? What should be next? And I'm going, right. Uh, but then like the more we started listening to the songs it was like okay yeah you 
it's almost like making a playlist of your own like i'm gonna tell you a story basically yeah like let me let me tell you a story and this is the flow of it and i'm almost like a little roller coaster if you will or whatever however it ends up being um so yeah i i I could see where that would be a little difficult you know trying to make a playlist first and I want to make a love story at the end of the day, you know? I want it to be, you know, like the emotions that we, I'm the the age or the culture is going through, you know, in a relationship stage. From my standpoint, a lot of the songs are relatable. You know, you might have two or three that aren't, but I believe that they're they're relatable. From the feedback that I've got, they're, they're pretty much relatable. And, um, at the end of the day, it all sounds good. So it's like, you know, hey, let's, I want to be able to tell a story through each song, you know, yeah. and it's like, all right, this was my depression stage. This was my, I got back right stage. This was, I made it right. This was, now we're good. This was, oh, we kind of had a shaky situation, but we were able to be stable. You know, what's love? Um, what's love if we can't make it through those days is one of my lyrics in um, mm. one of the songs you know what, what is love if we can't make it through those tough times and those hard days you know and I had to level out my mistakes at one point to kind of see like you know what I did some wrong there's some things I got to correct and then we gonna make it right well you and know, I'm always curious happy. to hear like what these modern day love stories sound like because y'all got us I say y'all because I'm mm. hey wow but <laughs> listen I'm just saying like it's a little different now like in the 90s yeah. You know, you might get a page, but you got to wait for a minute for me to get to a phone. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. at least mm-hmm. I had a pager, but it, it wasn't an instant pick up your phone. I'm texting you. I'm calling you. Da, 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 da. And then I'm going to communicate yeah. with you through five different social media platforms. You got my phone right. number, fam. Just right. text What me. is that for? Just call. text like, me. You have direct access to me. Why would you need to talk to me through Snap or right. Instagram? Talk to me. But- you funny, know? funny story. Me and my girl don't even. I don't have her on Instagram, Twitter, or Snapchat. I just have her on Facebook, mm-hmm. and it kind of works just in a way because it's like <laughs> if I'm I mean, if it kind of works because like if I don't really like feel like talking, it's like oh, stay off Facebook because that way she can't f- see what you're doing. You but just tell now my your secrets. <laughs> I know she's gonna hear this podcast and be like, "What the heck, Tony." So um, hard snitching. What's crazy is hard snitching. <laughs> my Facebook and my and my Snapchat or my Facebook and my Instagram are connected. So it's like whatever I post on Instagram on my story, it goes straight to Facebook. Whatever I post on my page, my post on Instagram, it goes straight to Facebook. So it's like either way, she's gonna find out. Yeah. But um, I do think that having that barrier kind of helps us grow in a way. Because it's like, I'm not checking up on everything you're doing. You're not checking up on everything I'm doing. It's like, yeah. if you want to talk, you got my number. Like you said, you got my number. Why you got my number, call baby. Me. Call me if you need you know, someone to talk to. My bad. It's, and Snapchat be, just became pointless at this point. Because it's like, y'all all may as well, you know, Mark and and and, and whoever the Zucker dude, they, y'all all may as well just become a team and have a, sna- a snap face, a, a snap face grin. Snap face. <laughs> A snap face Twitter gram or something. Just because right. at this point, it's like you get on every app and somewhere along the lines, each app is starting to copy the next app. Oh, yeah. It's like, what's for the sure. point? What's That's the like point? TikTok yeah. and Instagram. All of a sudden now, Instagram has reels. I'm like, this ain't nothing but TikTok. Like, like, this ain't nothing but TikTok for Instagram. It's like, you may as well cancel TikTok now. And we all stay on Instagram because people have already been on Instagram. And granted, TikTok is getting a shit ton of love around the world. But right. it's like, 
I don't even use my Snapchat anymore. I have like, I just checked earlier before I got on. I got like nine messages on Snapchat that I haven't checked in Same. weeks. And it's just like, for what? I don't, well, and got I think my Instagram. And- it depends the, on the. It's the de-evolution of communication. Facebook, you don't, you're not limited to your character. Say what you want for as long as you want, whatever you want, as much as you want. You get right. down True. to things like Instagram, a picture's worth a thousand words until you put a caption on it. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you get down to Twitter. You can Twitter. only post ten pictures. Yeah, yeah, Instagram. yeah. And then you get to uh, was it Twitter now that also has stories now, just like Instagram yep. does. But you're limited. It to it's a fleet. Letters. But <laughs> I'm like, what is this? But then you're limited to how many numbers and or, or or letters you can put in a message on there. So then we go to Snapchat, where you're not even supposed to write any effing thing. You're just supposed to fucking just send the picture, and then it goes away. Right. <laughs> There's the de-evolution of communication, and it no really one wants is. to get off of one app to get on another app and then to say the same thing, so they just stay on one app. Don't yeah. make a mistake of screenshotting a DM or whatever on Snap. Like, don't make the mistake of screenshot anything on Snapchat. It's like, and I'm like, accidentally or not. Listen, I don't play social media rules. If I want to snap, if I want to screenshot what you sent me, it's for me now. <laughs> like, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, you don't want to do that. You sent it to me on purpose. We shouldn't play you know this game then. Like, sorry, that but not whole, sorry. Like, I feel like Snapchat was created just to be sneaky because that whole delete after after viewing and delete after 24 hours, like for what? I, I think mean, it I messes, mean, I get it. It messes I get with it. people. It's the same bit. reason why we don't want to, or we look at your look at your phone right now and look at that app that has three thousand notifications on it. Right. Now, if right. my if my Gmail, Yahoo Mail, whatever the fuck mail had a thing that just said delete this message after 24 hours man that'd be super super great i ain't got time to be going through cleaning up extra this and extra that extra that that's what i do adore about snapchat it's like oh cool you put something there and then you know it's gone so you don't have to worry about it it keeps you more in the now you're not busy yeah. looking through someone's old stuff from two and three years ago that makes it's me think better. of the alchemist there is no such thing as time huh. It's the de-evolution of conversation, but it is the evolution of social media. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I just blew my own mind there. And then Allie's over here. Now he's over here, aunt style, like, let me get a screenshot of this. And then what does that do? (laughs) A screenshot sits in your photo app for like two years and you never look at it again. You never look at it. And you never delete it, Allie. You never do. It's just sitting there looking at you right now, like. Well, let me just say this. With the other here's where my mistake was. It was late, and I was like, "I'm so tired. I'm probably not going to remember this. I'm not going to remember this, right? Let me screenshot it so when I wake up in the morning, I can be like, I don't have to forget it. What did you mean by this? Progressive side of this conversation as we're moving forward for communication. That's why we keep what ten. And paper. And paper on sides at all time. You write it down. You ain't right. got a screenshot. Well, listen, can't, I was, can't you I was the iCloud forever. I was about to go to sleep and I was like, what the hell is this? Click and I'll talk to you about it in the morning. Like, cause I'm thinking I'm going to sleep, you know? Right. I just right, and I think, speaking of because I woke you up with something the other day. I didn't need no screenshots when we got like on the grand messages with Burns and them. I didn't need no screenshots. I woke up like, let's go. Let's let's, <laughs> let's get it. That's what I'm saying. I don't know. I just I feel bad because I think it offended the person. And I'm like, I didn't mean to break any rules. I just damn, I just wanted to remember to ask you about this because right, you just right. said something that made me go, er, you know. 
Oh man, so, well in their brain, cause like it's like that, uh, it's like a negative Pavlov effect with that app. It's like whenever someone <clears throat> sees that you screenshot that, they think yes. that it's going to be used in a malicious nature. And never, a, not because me. they assume uh-huh. that you know that this is a place where you send things and they go away and they disappear. And I go, no, I'm not that kind of person that would use this against you. So feel, you know, Need you're to safe. Bring it back up, this is huh, a safe Allie? place. Living in the past, tisk right. tisk. <laughs> That's right. And I'm, listen, honey, y'all know I'm a 90s girl through and through. I still wear my tennis shoes and my sagging jeans and my big t-shirts. That's who I am. And I am not going to apologize for it. That's who I am. Speaking of, we always use that phrase. I'm not going to apologize for it, but thing off, first things first, ain't nobody asking you to. So why? There are some who ask you to. So this is why I probably ignore You guys have a point. He does have a point. Yeah, I'm just saying, there, oh, but amen. there are some who have made those little snide things, and I go, oh, okay, mm, yeah. you know. But anyway, yeah. speaking of the '90s and '90s music, I'm so excited to hear this new project. What's the name of the album? Are you able to tell us that yet? Um, East Garnet. Oh, Doc. <laughs> East Side guy. I'm like, I'm 11th, 109th. I'm 11th, 129th to the death of me, probably. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, right. Garnet, I'm a Garnet boy. I'm an East Side boy. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. For now, it's a fair East Central, East Central Cardinals in the house. I love it. Uh, I, so, I went to Foster. That was it. Okay. As yeah. Far same. As the East Side. I went to okay. Columbus Elementary, Cooper, and then Foster uh, Middle School. Yeah. I was a Super Cooper so. Cowboy. It was a Foster Middle School. Now, now East Side Junior High or East Central Junior yeah. High now? East so. Central Junior High. That's what it, that's what it is. So. Where'd you end up going to high school, um, teammates? Um, so, speaking, I went to Foster for like a month. I'd say like a semester. I, don't, I, I was young, you know, when I was, I saw this post today that said like, you know, damn, Christmas came fast as fuck, slow as fuck when I was 10. Now this motherfucker catch up on me. Anyway, so a semester <laughs> at Foster, then I went to Thoreau uh, demonstration and then I went to mm. Edison High School um, from Union for my freshman year to Edison for to graduate. So okay, Edison. 10th grade all the way to, you know, woo woo, Eagles in the place. They they used to make me do this from Union to Edison. We used to go here and we used to do the. It's, oh, it was man. corny. It was corny as hell. Well, but I just know, found out that uh, Gang Ta June went to Edison. He was on. He did, he did the artist takeover, and then mm-hmm. I was like, I asked him what year he graduated. I think he said 2017, and I yeah. said, you know, he was my, years after. Yeah. Well, my niece yeah. and nephew went to Edison, or my nephew nice. is still there, but um, my niece graduated there, and I said. He asked me, and I was like, yeah, you know, so he's like, oh, yeah, I know. And I was like, oh, I love this. I found another Edison <laughs> Eagle, you know. Right, right. But it's yeah. almost like a family. A family it really is. So, we, so, so, teammates, you know, we've talked to you about the recording sessions with Fire in Little Africa, but I did want to ask you, like, were there other any, like, moments that really stood out to you that, that kind of have that special place in your heart with the sessions? Uh, with feeling? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Man, I'd say the mansion uh, was probably one of the most organic days of uh, creativity. Uh, I was upstairs with View, Jack Spade, uh, Mr. Worthen, Paris Careers, and uh, L2. Mm. L2. Lester. And Lester Shaw, yes, yes. Yeah. and so we were up there, and um, man, it was just crazy the amount of talent that was in that room, and to be able to walk through the bathroom, this little door, to a bathroom, 
into another door yes. to find Hakeem Olajuwon, uh, Steph Simon, uh, St. Dom, uh, St. Dominic, uh, gosh, who else was in there? Asha, she's, she's up and coming, doing very, very, very great things. Mm-hmm. Um, Love that. And, uh, and, and Davey. And uh, Dave, David Puletes, P- Puletes, yes, uh, uh, also known as Medicine, Medicine, um, all in that, yeah. you know, all also all in that room, and it was like, bro, uh, do I need to go back and forth? So I'm like over here recording this one little feature, and I'm, I'm gonna jump over here and record this one feature, and it just kind of brought me back to um, R.I.P. to this dude, but it, it brought me back to the day that I met Mo three, um, mm-hmm. who just recently passed, uh, God rest his soul, and we the No Love song that is out now, one of his singles. Um, it kind of brought me back to that day because of how organic it was. We literally just went in the studio and heard the beat and it just like snapped immediately. It was just like creativity right there. And it was just like the amount of talent that was in there. And for people to not be as big as we as we should be, like, yeah, we're big locally. Don't get me wrong. People know teammates. People know Steph Simon. People know St. Dom in Tulsa. But it's like to not have been known, nationally recognized by the universe and how how much talent was in that room it just like baffled me because it was like bro this album is about to do so much work just for the community for Tulsa as a as a whole and you know it's it's gonna it's it's gonna it's gonna shine a light on Tulsa that hasn't been shined on in years you know on the talent aspect and people always talk about how there's so much talent in Tulsa and you know we got that post about how um how Tulsa was the next uh, uh, Austin, Austin, Texas. We've been Austin, Texas. We've been the talent before Austin. Te- I ain't trying to be cocky, but I'm being real. We've been the talent before Austin, Texas. Like I don't believe anybody down there was was really popping before Tulsa was. Tulsa's had a a music scene since I was like 14 years old. I used to go in a club with my cousin. He used to get he used to get my dad to sign a waiver for me to go in the club. I used to have to wear a green wristband. <laughs> to go play to go play drums to go play drums with him and people like Bobby uh Black Bobby Black Keys and Brian Hamilton and go into these bars in these older places these more retro well, retro wasn't retro it was like 007 club or something like that um <laughs> you know I was like I was at the living room the living room like you know what I'm saying I was hey that's there. my commercial you know I did that <laughs> You know, you know, Red didn't let nobody, red let nobody in. There was sneakers and tennis girl, shoes on. What are we on? doing after the basketball game? Girl, we're going to the, <laughs> the living room. Girl, that was my commercial. You don't understand. No, I, didn't, so, I didn't actually voice that one, but I had to do something similar. Uh, oh, shout sorry. out, man. Shout out to Red. Oh, I love that <laughs> man. The living so, room. You know, to be able to go into places like that and, uh, you know, at 14, it's like experience that and then grow up and then be able to be a part of the Fila project was a blessing. Nonetheless, it was a blessing. It was a great experience. I'll forever cherish it. Um, I keep all the pictures. I want all the photos. I can't wait till the documentary comes out because I'm like, Me yo, I'm, if, if I got to download it on Netflix, I'm downloading it. If I got to buy a copy, I'm buying a copy. I'm buying five. Yeah. I'm giving them away. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's how important it was because it was like, I got to be a part of history, you know? <laughs> You know, I don't have kids, but when the day I do have kids, they'll be able to look back on the tape, just like me, how I got to watch my dad on a, v, on a VHS tape. They'll yeah. be able to look back and be like, this was my father? 
And they'll be in he the garage going, Daddy, you didn't tell me you're on the Fila project. You didn't project. <laughs> they're gonna find a they're gonna find an iPhone. They're gonna find an iPhone 12 laden and like find the adapter right. of the charger in and be like, What is this? Are and these like, air? What are these? Are these what AirPods? Are AirPods? No. They be like, now, what is now this? they're just mouthpieces we put in and they just connect to our brain. Like it's just, you know, <laughs> it's years an, it's down an the line. MP4. They've been talking about MP4s and MKV, yeah. MKV videos like their A-Track right. tape. Look at this format. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> it's only got, this a, for us? only got a 54 bit per second frame rate. What the crap? Ah. And, they, and then right. they skate away on a true hoverboard like in Back to the Future. Right. <laughs> it's going to hover all over the ground. So. You know, just to be able to <laughs> just to be able to be a part of that is is a blessing and um i really cherish those moments um yeah. and man i cherish them like you know i wish we could do it again you know i kind of want to do another thing where it's not really um necessarily geared around fila but more just geared around like artists getting together and hey like bring your bring your own equipment this time yeah. We're all just going to set up in different rooms. We're going to record and maybe we'll leave it up to 20 people or something. And we'll have a team where we just pick the best songs. Maybe we all put an album together. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe the people in those rooms decide, Hey, let's put these songs together and make well, a you, collaborative and then make a part two out there teammates. So maybe it will That's happen. The universe. You know, you know, speak it into existence. You know, hey, you got to, again. you got to, please <laughs> child. I'm, I'm gonna sing I'm, I'm here soon. I promise. I'm gonna sing here soon. I, I, it's, I'm gonna have a. I'm gonna have a little private one of those pop up shop shows where it's like, um, you know, you just kind of show up. I'm gonna have a band together. It's already kind of in the works. You know, no, I can't no, tell I'm just too trying, much. But, I'm just trying to get you to sing a piece of calling on the. Podcast. Oh, oh, so, oh, you, you saying do but you don't, baby? Can we make sweet love? I don't wanna make no. Yeah, can't give you too much, but that's my jam. <laughs> that is forever my jam. It's I listen to that song to these days, and I'm like, you know, you know, and I and like I said, I think back to the day I met Mo three. I I, actually, I got to play that song for him and his and his manager and his label, and they were just like, bro, what are you? Who are you? Right? Who, who is this guy? Who is, you know what I'm saying? R. P. To Mo three, but the, you know what I'm saying? It's like who to be able to be around somebody at another level was kind of like and to hear yeah. the recognition like bro you're popping my dude my yeah. dude like who are you what are you doing do you have a situation going what is this and like I said it was just you know I was with a team of people that believed in me and they were like hey let's go pay for this mo3 feature and they took and me it's, up to it's Dallas nothing and like that feeling and I think that that's about to happen for a lot of the artists that have been involved with this project yeah I, no I, I don't just think it I believe it I can relate on the voiceover side of things. I mean, that's how I felt about okay. being on the Little Brother album. I'm like, oh my God, like, is right. this your life? <laughs> you know, but it's like, it's, it is nice to be able to talk to someone who, you know, he works directly with Questlove on their Questlove. Ali was in the room that day we recorded those with St. Nam and Hakeem. You were in the room doing the podcast with oh, Medicine. Yes. Mm-hmm. You I were. Do- that was the day that. I had to do a little piece of something. Yeah, I'm not going to give away too much. But yeah, like that, when you started talking about being in that room where the, the bathroom was in between those two rooms, I'm like, oh, you yes. were in Jack Spade's room you, and then you were in Madison's room. You were in that room. same room. Like yes, you were I in was. that same room at that same time period. That's crazy. Wow. And it's a moment. Like, That's a memory. That was one of my favorite moments too, because I felt, and I literally can even thinking about it, like get goosebumps because the, 
the moment that was created that day and I keep going back to St. Dom because uh-huh. I just remember the look on his face and he felt like an orchestra, you know, what a maestro, you know what I mean? Like I could just yeah, see him like, he, and do this and you that and da da da. And I'm like, yo, I've yeah. never got to see Dom in action. He's and that's what I- He's a great visual, man. He's a great yes, visual artist. Like he, he really sees is. stuff and it's just like, we just, we kind of connect. I've been over his house a few times and we've just been recording. And he's just like, hey, can you make it do this? And then jump and then come down. And I'm just like, <laughs> all right, yeah, we gonna make it do. We can, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it, it, it's just an artist thing. It's just like, you can't make this stuff up. You had to have oh. be there to see, been there to see it. It's just like, he has that creative know. mindset that's never, right. I don't think it ever stops really. But again, right. that's someone else who definitely had it in his blood. So, right. So being a part of the Fire Little Africa project, you know, what it's this whole thing is all about. And, you know, we ask every single one of our guests that come mm-hmm. on the show, um, how old were you when you first learned about the Tulsa Race Massacre? Mm. I was probably 12. I learned about it in church. I didn't learn about it in school. Um, my grandmother ran a, a Wesley Baptist Church in South North. Um, my mother is calling. That's crazy. Um, Wesley Baptist Church uh, out in out in North Tulsa. Uh, they would do a, a a week a weekly thing on Wednesday nights, and I hated it. I totally hated it. Me and my he, my dad would take me and my sister, and I would just be like, Dad, can we not come to this? And so one night. Um, he was like, yeah, no, tonight you need to go. And I'm thinking like, all right, whatever. What's, what's so special about tonight? We had missed like a week before or whatever. We went and they had these books um, and it was called Amer- Black American History. And uh, it spoke on the, on the race riot. It's still at my mom's house to this day. Um, it spoke on the race riot and it talked about everything. Now, granted, I was young, so I wasn't really thinking like about what really happened and all that stuff. And so then I went home and I talked to my parents about it and they were like, yeah, this happened, this happened. Well, fast forward to eighth grade, um, we had this thing at our, at Thoreau. It, it was kind of like, we we basically honored Black History Month. And so basically we would do a, um, we would do a project on a specific person um, of color. And uh, I can't think of the name of it, but the role, I, I thank the role for teaching me this because there's not a lot of schools that teach this type of stuff. They actually honored Black History Month at that school. And um, uh, we, we basically took like this week where it's like, uh, it's like history week. And we basically pick one artist and one week my artist was Arthur Ashe. He was like the first black tennis player. Um, uh, in 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 America, period, in the world, whatever you want to call it, and um, he won nationals and stuff like that, and tournaments that black people didn't have, you know, able to to win like that. And so there was a story about how he had came to Tulsa one time and just kind of visit. Um, but uh, uh, along those lines, they took a, a day or two out of the of our history week to teach us about the race riot. And um, there's a guy named Dad McIntosh. He used to go to Greenwood Christian Center. And I've Dad McIntosh, he would have been maybe, that's 2020, he would have been maybe 118 this year. 
maybe 120. He recently passed away and I want to say 2013 or 2014. Um, but he was one of the oldest still living that experienced the race riot mm. um, to this day. And um, he, he, we call him Dad Mac. He was one of the oldest guys that went to the church. And so everybody would show him love. And um, well, he came to throw one day and he knew me. So he called me out. That no, young Mason. He came, made me sit up there next to him, and he kind of just kind of told some history and stuff like that. And um, and I, I asked, I was like, "Yo, like, what about saying this at our youth service next time you come to our youth service?" And so, so he only touched on certain things at the school. Maybe they prompt him to not say much, whatever the case may be. I don't know, but he talked uh, briefly about it, and then maybe like a week later, we went to church, and still I'm like 12, 13 years old still learning about this and it just touched me because it was like damn like we ran the city like we had our own everything we had our own crops our own pharmacies our own government system like we had our own money we didn't need anybody else for anything and you know to hear the stories of the the bombs and the shootings and um the hangings and the draggings and the burns and the fires and the building it's just like it's like wow like, what would I have done in that time? Put yourself in, let's say Tony Mason Jr. was born in 19, 1907 or something, you know? What would I have done in that time frame? I don't know what I would have done. I can sit here now and be like, oh, I would have shot somebody or I would have ran somebody over with a truck or I would have fought this and that. But how do we know they weren't fighting themselves? They, were, they didn't know what to do. They were being, they were having everything taken from them. So, um, just going back through all of that um, just kind of brought back memories. And one of the most memorable, the, the one thing I loved about whenever we were meeting about, I I thank God for this, the OETA situation. You know what happened with OETA. Yep. I won't speak on, on the podcast, but you know what happened. And so we were in the meetings, um, me, Stevie, and Evan, and uh, me, Stevie, Evan, and I think it was, Jack Spade were at lunch. We were eating and I was like, what about the Greenwood Culture Center? And he was like, that's actually not a bad idea. And so called them up and they were, they were like, they were so excited to be like, yes, we would love to be a part of this. And so um, just growing up, um, I've had plenty of family reunions at the Greenwood Culture Center. I've, yeah. My sisters have been in pageants at the Greenwood Culture Center. And so just being a young kid and running around, that was also another lesson of the Black, the Black Wall Street race riot that I grew up having to know. You know, I, just being in the Greenwood Culture Center and seeing all the pictures, reading the, the, the biographies, and reading the newspapers, and growing up and seeing that, um, we did conferences there at churches. So I, I've grown up around the Greenwood Culture Center my, my entire life. My dad's done shows. We've done parties. We've done so many, everything like, at the Greenwood Culture Center. Great you know what concerts, I'm saying? fundraisers. Hell, I have my 40th oh birthday there. Like, right, right. And it's know, just And like, a line of DJs playing with those same pictures in the background, the room with the, the glass on the yes. back side of the building. That's where my party was. And it's like, yeah. oh, I can't believe we're back here and the album is being recorded here. It's it's a very, it's a lot of full circle moments that were probably happening like for a lot of us. Emotions came. When we came to go, um, when we went to go uh, uh, set up the studios or whatever, we went and kind of like looked at the stuff. Um, 
I kind of found myself in Jack Spade's room in the back where that mirror was and that wood floor was, and it just brought back memories. I just kind of sat there. Stevie had came back there and was like, you all right? And I'm just like, I just kind of sat there and just, I had one of those moments where I kind of just had to sit there and just embask all the memories, all the emotions, all the stuff I remembered, all the, you know, and try to try to, try to remember all the things that I learned about the, about the race riot and what we were really about to get into. Like we weren't making, we weren't just making cool rap music. We weren't right. just making a cool album. We were making an album to show forth that, look, this is what we went through. We're not ever gonna do this again. You're never gonna take this from us. This is our land. This is our piece, you know, a hundred years later and we're still fighting for our community. We're still fighting for Black Lives Matter. And I sat in that room for about an hour and just, I kind of weeped for a little bit. I kind of cried just like, damn, like, this, this, this has been, this is still standing. The Greenwood Culture Center is still standing. Now, I don't know, I don't know too much about it standing through the race ride, but it being built and all of that, but just seeing all the memories and walking through the halls and, and just looking at the pictures and, and, and seeing the meetings that are going on, it's like, wow, we still have a, a committee team that meets weekly and monthly about our community. They're trying to save parks. They're trying to save buildings. They're trying to save all types of stuff. And so, it, it was just amazing, you know, to see all of that stuff. And, um, you know, a lot of it definitely brings back memories. And it just, it shows that, you know what, the, all, all these, all the ancestors, all the people on the wall, we're going to talk to them this weekend. We're yeah. going we gonna, we gonna to bring them back a lot. We're going we gonna to hear from everybody. We're going to hear from Dickie Rowe. You know what I'm saying? We're going to hear from a lot of folks this weekend. And we're going to, we're they're going to tell us stories. And so, like I said, when I sat in that room, I just heard to myself, like, bring back the truth. Yeah. Speak the truth. Don't come in here talking about killing motherfuckers. Don't come in here talking about hoes and bitches and money. Like, speak the truth. You know what I'm saying? Bring back what's, what our what our culture really needed. And so um, uh, one of the songs that I think is on the album, um, some of the lyrics spoke. And it said, um, my lyrics said, I came back to free up all my people. Um, I came back to make sure that it's equal love. Got to make sure we're structured. It's too evil. Hoping I can free the blind and get back to a better time. And that was one of the first songs that I did that weekend. And it was me, Jerry Manna, Mr. Wortham. Um, I think Paris Carriz is on that album and T-Rush. And when I tell you that, like that song kind of opened the door for that weekend, it was like, yeah, this is this weekend finna be hot. I came up with that shit in like five minutes. Two Piece was in there playing his, was in Two Piece room, and we he's playing his beat, and I'm like, I didn't even write it on my phone. I'm just like, hey, shut the lights off, shut the lights off. They're like, what? I'm shut the lights off. I'm like, turn the lights off. Give me the headphones. I'm ready to go. And I made this hook, and Paris walked in and was like, wow. People walk in, Stevie walk in, wow. Just people walk in like, damn, like, and, and it just spoke it to me. that's how it was for five days straight. Five days every straight. Every single like, moment, every single room you went into. Like, you you talking about that hook right now, you got me thinking about Burns. Like, I saw that happen with him. He just oh, wrote an instant Jesus. hook, and I'm like, yeah, who oh. is he? And I ain't even talking about him rapping, that was singing. <laughs> right, and so, so just, just to walk in the room and hear all the creativity of what was going on it just spoke to me in multiple ways man it was like 
how do you know how did this happen you know and to be able to walk into those rooms and hear all these other artists speaking about that man just kind of it blessed me and it made me feel like you know what people are actually here to work they're actually here to speak the truth like even if i didn't make a song on the album if i didn't make it on the album if i don't you know i would have been grateful to have just to experience that and i told stevie i was like man look i don't care about being an artist this weekend i care about what's going on i want to help you know, if I can go get some pizzas and get some waters, help hook up sound equipment, show yeah. people how to use logic. And then know. I clean up everybody's pizza boxes. <laughs> Everybody, yeah. I literally felt like up. a mother. Like I was like, it's okay, y'all. You, just go back. Just go back and start writing again. I got this. <laughs> I got it. I got it. I'll wipe everything. And it was just like, if you need anything, you know, go do this. And, yeah. you know, I remember Stevie came and, and one time it was like, man, go, go in the room, bro. Go, go in here. If they want to hear you in here. And I'm just like, all right, you know, I kind of just take a break and got to go experience other artists. And it was actually kind of cool not being an engineer that weekend, yeah. you know, being behind yeah. the computer. It, it actually felt good to be an artist and just like, all I got to do is pick up my phone, write some lyrics and vibe with the other artists. I didn't have to necessarily direct or kind of be, you know, um, the in control of things I'm not pressing record and stuff like that and it was like it was good to have that that availability and that open space and you know being in the Greenwood Culture Center having all that big old space it was great to be able to walk into that big area the big auditorium room and just chill free your mind go into the offices they gave us access to go into certain rooms and offices like go clear your mind go 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 read the mural I went and read the mural like three or four times I won't even lie to you Yep. Like it was just like, oh, I read it. I read it as a kid. I read it at 21. I'm gonna read but it again it at 25, 26. That day, I bet. It hit different that weekend. Just like I'm out in the cold smoking a joint. Like, damn, this shit is real. Like, it, we here. We're really getting ready to bring Black Wall Street back. Like, it's been there. It's always been there. It's just. So speaking of the experience, Day, you know, we always ask the same question. Uh, another question that we ask on the show is, "What does everything is us mean to you?" man um everything is us we on the scene uh everything mm -hmm. is us man that's a lyric in my song dream with ray june and um it to me it means you know this culture is ours this creativity the sound that we come with um the styles that we come with the you know everything is us we, we don't need to we don't we this isn't copied this can't be duplicated this can't be imitated this is all an original thing like everything is really us around here we own we gonna own everything eventually you know what i mean so everything us to me means um knowing our culture um knowing our craft owning our craft and owning you know owning everything that we don't we don't we don't need any more handouts anymore we're, we're done with that you know we they took enough from us we don't need that anymore you know we we are our own entity you know we can depend on ourselves we can depend on our teammates we can depend on the uh, the other people that are on our and our, on our side and um, yeah just everything is us i mean it speaks the sentence literally speaks for itself when you say it, it everything really does. is us it's like it's almost like walking up to, I got a homeboy who, who doesn't, he doesn't wear, it kind of bothers me every now and again, but he doesn't wear like Nike. He, I mean, he might wear like some Nike shoes or something, but like everything is him. Like he wears his own joggers, his own t-shirts, his own hats. And it's like, 
we've we've been so long looking forth to you know uh uh depending on oh we need this hat or oh we need this shirt to look good and it's like no we got our own we have our own style we have our own shoe stores we have our own um clothing stores we have our own clothing brand that fire little africa stuff my girl's like um can we can can i get a hoodie i'm like babe i haven't even got a hoodie yet let me about to to get these stickers reprinted whole batch this is a 2011 2010 design from clean hands wow yeah and it says tulsa is the next austin crossed out nashville crossed out tulsa check tulsa check mark you're the next us hey that's got to be a t-shirt dog everything is. oh they were you know what we need a we need a sign we need a sign over over where the greenwood culture center is that just says everything is us and just leave it at that and have the feel of feel of oh, website right there it just needs to say everything is we us a, everything is us mural we need a we need a, a, a somebody call somewhere. alex to mine right right let them know we on the way yeah so, oh i love that idea everything is us and and that's what i believe you know what i'm saying sooner than later you know we're gonna take over downtown you know mm-hmm. it's, it's really about to happen in 2021 you know, and and on top of that, when this album drops, everything is really gonna be us because it's gonna be like, wow, now we actually we run our city. We don't we don't need we don't need you, Warner Brothers. We don't need y'all yeah. at this point. We got every we got we got other situations going. We got our own situation going. We got our own funding. It's like you know everything is us. We don't need any help. We we built this from the ground up, and we're able to maintain it. You know yeah. what I'm saying in a certain in a certain way. So well, and just the yeah. whole how everyone helps each other in their time of need. It's like, what do you need? Oh, I know somebody who can, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's, we have, our network is so strong. And then how you said that about, he has his own, we have our own clothing line. We have our own, mm-hmm. our good friend Sino said it so perfectly one day. He's like, yeah, it's kind of like we have our own little utopia. And I basically. Felt that, yeah, like wow. I felt it so strong. Cause I was like, I really don't have to go anywhere. Like my food that I order, my clothing, my, like all my, sh- look, I'm wearing Versus shirt today. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's all I wear now is Tulsa right. shirts and don't right. tell nobody, but you know, a lot of, the, there are a lot of people in my family that are going to be getting some fire in little Africa clothing line. Like, yeah. Oh, for like, sure. For sure. I, you know? I plan on blessing the family with, with fire and little Africa gear this year. You know, that little, the, I didn't even see the joggers until today. Yo, the joggers I'm, are my favorite. I'm I like, I gotta get the matching hoodie. I gotta get like two. Pick. Can we get a white set? Like, can we it's, get a gray set? Oh, what can we do with that? Like, that would be dope. That, that would be dope. So, for the for our listeners out there, if you want to know how to purchase the Fire in Little Africa clothing line, uh, visit the website at fireinlittleafrica.com. and get yours. Boom. Just get your, I might get like three hoodies just because. Yeah. You know how you know how the girls nope. like to just steal your hoodies in the winter. You know, it's like yeah, I'm gonna get yeah. one just for me. Nope. I've done that. I don't even. I don't even have my feeler recording shirt because that's how much my girlfriend wears it, and it's because like because it's a great shirt. Wow. She should it's have a taken great it. Shirt. <laughs> she got so she went to Winco like a month ago and had it. We we love Winco by the way. So she went to Winco a few months ago, and I guess she saw somebody that was there. She was like, some guy asked me uh where'd you get that shirt from like you were <laughs> yes. i didn't see you there look that's how i felt about people wearing a k-jam shirt i'm like i know that only staff wears them I shirts. Know. <laughs> you got that on like <laughs> I didn't get that. 
man, y'all so tripping, man. Funny. You you would hear so many muffled like <laughs> me just pulling hoodies <laughs> off of people. You better go and get that. Go and give me that back. Where you get that from? Your hair's like you're so, messing yeah. my hair up. Yeah, yeah, I know. You're messing my hoodie up. My she hoodie. Definitely got some like who's your boyfriend? Who you who is okay, it? Who you get this shirt from? So, let me clarify. <laughs> I'm not a hoodie stealer. I'm a hoodie receiver. Mm. Right. They gave them to me. Right. Like a class <laughs> ring. They, and a jersey too. Boop. And yeah. a jersey. You gotta <laughs> get the jersey or it's not official. Oh, we need a feel a jersey. Oh, oh. We need Trey a feel jer- Hey, Trey, I hope you hear this, dog. We need a jersey. <laughs> we need fitted caps. We need snapbacks, dog. We got the beanies. We got the I face love the masks. Beanies. Love those. Oh, yeah. I'm about to get like two or three of those. Like, so, T Mace, is there anything else that you wanna share with our listeners? We've talked about the new project, but anything else that you want to touch on before we wrap things up? Um, go stream No Love featuring T Mace. I'm sorry, featuring Mo3, RP Mo3. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it really ain't no love in this game. You know, stay safe. Uh, I want everybody to think about themselves, um, think about their family. And, you know, and when I say think about them, think about yourself, I mean, think about yourself in a safe manner. That makes sense. Um, you know, mm. think about the decisions that you make. Think about the people you interact with, because um, life is life is too short to be out here um, just being reckless. You know, everything is strategic, and I just believe that. Um, you know, we're we're sent here on Earth to to find our purpose. You know, find your purpose. You know, it's never going to be too late, but find your purpose. Don't ever go through life without having a reason. Find your why and keep going. Mm, totally agree with you on that. And throw a dash of forgiveness in there while you at it. Robo <laughs> Tasha, mm. hallelujah. Anyway. Uh, hey. <laughs> you gotta you gotta give it to yourself first and then you give right. it away. You're right. Thanks. Thank you so much for being on the show. Do a big favor and let everybody know where they can follow you on social media. Yeah, I love this. I practice this in the mirror today. Y'all, y'all can go follow me everywhere on social media at T Mace and the number two, that's T-M-A-S-E, the number two. That's on Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, baby. Holla at your boy. I'm on Google. You know what I'm saying? If you just Google T-M-A-S-E, don't ever forget it. Make sure you put a dash in my name whenever you look for my music. Um, Other than that, I love every single one of y'all, every listener, every stream, every follow. Um, I love the support. Shout out to Fire Low Africa. Shout out to Doc Freeman. Shout out to Ali Shaw. Um, just, I love y'all so much. I hope we can do Final Africa 2022. Man. Um, you know what I'm saying? Go. You get my oh, no, look, that's, I'm sorry, but I saw the, I saw the baby in the room earlier. And I was like, can I oh, get to meet the dog? No, I'm sorry. This is, this is Zena. She's, she's, a, she's, she's just turned a year three days ago. Oh, oh she's a so, birthday. Yeah. We're getting ready to have a, we're getting ready to have a little birthday party yeah. for her. <laughs> And so uh, you know Janae did that for her dog, her friend's dog. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's funny. Janae's yes. See, let let that baby get some love. That's all her wanted. She ain't no baby. She is huge. Good lord. So she 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 looks like a rot. She she is a Rottweiler. She is 25% American Rottweiler. I love her so much. She's she's an aggressive breed, so I don't really need as much, you know, protection whenever she's home. You know, she keeps me sane. I know a Rottweiler bruiser, and he was all right. (laughs) 
okay, baby, go, go. I'm on. Okay, I'm gonna be in a second. We're gonna take a walk See? here in a little bit. She, Don't say she that word. Been, right, right. Oh, she's like, get my leash, get my leash. I just fed you. I love you. Go, go, kennel. Um, she's got that nub wagon. So yeah. yeah, this is this is my baby. Um, hopefully we can. Hopefully I'll breed her here soon and get some well, babies out of her. She's again, everyone follow T Mace on social media. That's T M A S E number two. And yeah. please, and and rather than don't forget, please remember to do that. All right, y'all. So on behalf of the Fire and Little Africa podcast, I'm Ali Shaw. I'm Doc Free, and we want to remind you to be the spark, protect your flame, pass the torch. <laughs>